Today we're talking about episode 5 of WandaVision. What we learned, what we're guessing, what that big cameo might mean, and what might be next. This show is called Scarlet Vision. I am its host, Michael Smith. Thanks for checking out the show. If you love the MCU, you are in the right place. Let's get into it. was Nerve Damage by Punk Rock Opera. Shout out to them for that song. That brings us into this week's episode of Scarlet Vision. How are you doing this week? I hope you enjoyed episode 5. I'm going to be talking about that in just a moment with Mike Smith of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. But first I wanted to address something. Episode 5 of WandaVision is my first episode. Frankly, I plan to do this weekly. But some personal stuff got in the way and I was going to do a big catch-up episode, but so much happens on a week-to-week basis in this show, it would just be really hard to do catch-up on all four episodes. I do plan to kind of make up for it when the season comes to an end, but we'll worry about that later for now. It's Mike Smith, it's me, Michael Smith, and it's WandaVision, episode five. I am joined by my good friend, Mike Smith. Of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies, of Jeff Goldblum, a Complete Words podcast. That's right. Which he does with Mike DiCrecio. They are two fantastic podcast hosts. Oh, they thank do you. a wonderful, wonderful job. They're very creative and funny, and I enjoy listening to them every week. And I'm glad to have Mike on the show today. Mike, how you doing? I am good, Mike. Also, also Mike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm great. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be uh, on what is, uh, I guess, the uh, the debut episode of uh, the Scarlet Vision podcast. That's what this one's called, right? I, I, I completely blanked, but I yes, think it, yes, based on the Twitter account. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And, and we are in the 80s in WandaVision. We are. Very, very exciting. We've moved past the Brady Bunch. We're into family ties now. So that's great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We got... Uh, we got Wanda with wacky hair. We got Vision in a flannel. So that's how you know. Yeah, I was expecting more of a uh, like it was a full I, a full house homage, I guess, just based on like the uh, the Olsen connection with Elizabeth Olsen and Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. Obviously, they're her older sisters. And I guess there is a little bit in this episode where like especially the theme song felt very full housey to me, uh, which this might have been my favorite like fake TV sitcom theme song of the show so far. Uh, but I think Family Ties is the more direct comparison here. Well, family tie. It, it did have the intro had the the family portrait being painted, which yeah. was very family ties. Uh, it also had it also had growing pains. It had the like the images of them, like through the years that right. growing pains had going on in their intro. Right. Plus, which, one of the neighbors is named Boner. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was interesting, and, and I guess that's where we'll start. So. When they were doing those through uh, through the years images for all the characters, Vision as a child and as a teenager, which never <laughs> happened. What do you think was yes. up with that, Mike? I think that was just a fun little nod to because uh, <laughs> they did because it started with the one with uh, Wanda, where it shows like young Wanda and then her teenager and then like full adult Wanda. So you yeah, you got to have the uh, the duality there with uh, <laughs> with Vision right afterwards. Uh, plus, maybe it was a little bit of competition with the Mandalorian. You got Baby Yoda. 
Uh, so you got you got to throw in a little baby vision into the Marvel <laughs> universe on Disney Plus. I think that makes sense. Uh, oh, I'm sure so. that's just I'm sure that's going to catch on with the same blaze of glory as Baby Yoda did. <laughs> I don't see why not. I think that would be a great thing. Uh, I did I did want to note though that uh, the, as far as the Family Ties connection goes, uh, I, I was reading Alan Sepinwall's review of the episode in Rolling Stone, and uh, he kind of made notes that uh, in family ties, there is a point in the show where like they have a couple of kids and then between seasons, those kids age up like five or six years uh, because they didn't want to tell stories about them being babies anymore. And that is exactly what happens in <laughs> this episode of WandaVision too, uh, with the two kids, which I thought was like a, a really cool, like meta textual element to the episode as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have that much of a recollection of family ties. I have to be honest. I have never I seen a single episode of family ties. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm listen. aware that I'm aware that Michael J. Fox was on it. Uh, I know that Michael J. Fox was involved and I've seen like maybe a couple of clips and like a best of TV of the 80s, like an I love the 80s, you know, VH1 special or something. Uh, but I've never actually sat down and watched an episode of Family Ties. There are many that would call it Michael J. Fox's greatest performance, but I'm not going to get into that now. Also, Justine <laughs> Bateman in that show as his, his older sister. So oh, right. You have yes. That, you have that going for you, too. Which is nice. <laughs> Uh, I do think there was like a little bit of full house in the intro. You saw them like yeah. running in the park or whatever. That was a very full housey run in the park. <laughs> but I, w- I, I would think a full house is more 90s than 80s, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I could see that too. I hope we get a full. I looked it up, actually. It was 87 to 95. So like really like right on the line there. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a little bit of an element of full house here. Uh, I guess they're moving to the 90s next week, right? Theoretically. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually have not like I've been trying very hard to avoid spoilers for WandaVision, uh, which has been very difficult if you're on social media, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I had the ending of this episode spoiled for me on Twitter, not by anybody on Twitter, but because as soon as I logged in, it was a trending topic on Twitter. <laughs> and I was furious. My <laughs> <laughs> I like slammed my laptop down in disgust. Like I couldn't believe <laughs> that Twitter, like they gotta have some kind of spoiler filter or something. Like it was, it was six a.m. <laughs> the episode had been out for like an hour and a half. <laughs> I was so upset, Mike. Even Reddit is smart enough to have a spoiler filter. Why right, can't Twitter yeah, get on this? You would think, uh, you know, like, I, I don't know why they can't just say, like, you know, the trending topic could be WandaVision and I'd be fine with that. But, like, I think it said, like, trending WandaVision. And do we get into spoilers, uh, do you think, right at the top? Yeah, or do we like not? Okay. It's it was in the trending topics. It was like hashtag WandaVision trending with Evan Peters, comma, Pietro. <laughs> it's like, well, I, 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 okay. I, I could see, like, maybe, like, oh, maybe it's like a theory of Evan Peters, but, like, I don't know, like once you see those three things trending together at the same time, it's like you kind of just put the pieces together in your mind of what's going to happen in, in this episode, right? <laughs> well, we're, we'll talk more about that specifically, that cameo and how it popped up at the end. But okay. I do want to say that it would be my absolute favorite if we did get Full House next week and yeah. Evan Peters was Uncle Jesse <laughs> and the original MCU Pietro was Uncle Joey. And had, oh, the, had, had the puppet on his hand the whole time and just was goofy <laughs> and a little bit more of an outcast. I think that would just yeah. be perfect. If they really wanted to run with that joke, they should have done this in the Bewitched episode where uh, because I'm Bewitched, very famously, the guy who plays uh, 
um, the witch's husband, uh, Darren, is uh, replaced. Like, he gets recast halfway through the show. So it would be really funny if on the Bewitched version, like, Aaron <laughs> Taylor Johnson showed up, and then, like, halfway through, Evan Peters just, like, suddenly became that character, and no one acknowledges anything. Uh, <laughs> that might not work out for, like, the continuity in the story they're trying to tell, but, like, man, that would have been wild. <laughs> would have been a good joke for you. Yeah, specifically me and uh, no one else. <laughs> That's how I like my entertainment. <laughs> so this one was called on a very special episode. The description was Wanda addresses Vision's worries when he grows suspicious of the neighbor's strange behavior. And this episode was a lot about Vision. And I think I would say of the episodes that focused, so not counting episode four, of the episodes that focused on Wanda and Vision... This one had like the most of those surreal, real world breaking moments. Yeah. And even, I think might, that might have even had more than the three episodes, the first three episodes combined. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they actually really smartly did this because, uh, you know, the, those first two episodes, there's like hints of, you know, what's happening around the edges of this town. Uh, but they're both pretty straightforward sitcom parodies featuring Wanda and Vision. And so you're kind of left wondering, like, well, what is, like, what is this? <laughs> like, why is this <laughs> what I'm watching? And then with the third episode and the reveal that, uh, you know, Geraldine wasn't where what, who she said she was. And she gets kicked out of the town and, like, gets knocked out. And then the entire fourth episode just being, like, you know, her turning out to be Monica Rambo and meeting up with Darcy Lewis and uh, Randall Park's character, Jimmy Woo. And, you know, working for sword and figuring out what's going on with the town like that one obviously explained a lot more about what was going on uh so i think now they're able to have a lot more fun with the premise and with the kind of surrealistic elements of it like before they were kind of building up to that reveal and now that it's out there they can do an episode like this where it's like half sitcom pastiche and half larger marvel universe type stuff yeah and i i am fully on board with that i did like the way it bounced Back and forth, although I will say, uh, any time that Jimmy Woo and Darcy Lewis are not on screen together is just kind of disappointing to me because they're so funny <laughs> together. I mean, that's got to be the next uh, Disney Plus series announcement, right? That's got to be the, <laughs> the new one. <laughs> yeah, forget, uh, you know, forget Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Just do the uh, whatever. I was going to say it's air, the kind of scientist Darcy Lewis was, but I'm blanking on what it was now. So forget that joke. Uh, that joke's gone now. <laughs> You tried. You tried really hard. I think uh, I think what they should do is uh, just kind of keep Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but deep fake uh, Kat Dennings and uh, Randall Dar Randall Park onto Falcon and Winter Soldier's faces uh, and just make that the show. Like, have them redub the lines. <laughs> it can be exactly the same. It'll be great. All that work. It was pushed back six months due to the pandemic. And yeah. we're just we're just going to scrap everything those two guys did and put on two actors faces over them. You got to strike like all the irons like hot here. Everybody's on board the uh, the Darcy and uh, Jimmy train right here. <laughs> all right. So the, the show starts and we're, we're in Westview in the Hex. I'm with Darcy. We're calling it the Hex from here on out. Forget the bubble. Yeah. Which is a fun like nod to uh, Scarlet Witch in the comics, too, where in, in the early comics, like they kind of describe her stuff as her Hex power. They never actually say like what her Hex power is, but it's just kind of like indeterminate, like psychic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and, I, and I don't think they've ever used that in the movies, like to call it hex power or whatever. So it's kind of like a nod to uh, her comic origins in some way. So Billy and Tommy are crying babies. Wanda and Vision are doing their best to calm them down. They joke. They dance together. Uh, yep. what, I, what I really like, and this goes for all the first three episodes as well, 
when they go into these different eras of sitcom, they obviously do a great job with the aesthetic and making it look like those shows, but the energy, the way that the actors act, that goes for Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, and Katherine Hahn, like the most out of anybody, they they really nail it with yeah. the acting style. Yeah, I think because every era of sitcom has like a different style of acting they're working with. And, and you know, and even just beyond the acting, I think the actual recreation of those sitcom elements, like you could like you can just like put a black and white filter on something and call it good. Uh, but like, you know, the way they actually do it, where like the first episode, you know, is supposed to look like the Dick Van Dyke show. And they actually take pains to make the camera positioned as if it were an episode of the Dick Van Dyke show. Uh, and meanwhile, you have the uh, kind of familiar character elements and acting beats that those shows have kind of reflected in these modern characters in this old past setting. Uh, so, yeah, but I, th- I think this might have been the most successful recreation of an era, uh, just in terms of acting, but also just in terms of like, you know, the actual look and feel of the show. Yeah, I would I would agree. I, I think it I think it, but I think it also played into what they were trying to do, like with with those world breaking moments i feel like the 80s the like sort of the weirdness of the 80s kind of played into that but a lot better than like used like dick van dyke did or some of those other shows because they're obviously a lot more down to earth just silly family sitcoms from way back when they set the babies down in the crib and vision leaves the room wanda tries to use her powers to get them to sleep but to no avail yeah you get that weirdness the score kind of stops. There's no music in the background. It's very silent. Right. And she looks at them and says, why won't you do what I want? Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and especially, you know, obviously these are Wanda's kids. Uh, theoretically, maybe she just kidnapped a couple of the kids from town. Who knows what's what's going on here? <laughs> um, but, I, but I think this episode does start to hint towards something larger than Wanda just at play here. Like at the end of episode four, uh, or at the end of episode three or whenever it was, but like, uh, Tiona, uh, Maria Rambo, uh, she's like, it was Wanda, like it was all Wanda and all that stuff. And, you know, obviously Wanda is definitely a big part of this. Like it's the reason it's happening and she's, but it also seems like, uh, it's hinting towards a larger, uh, villainous presence, uh, and, you know, something that's beyond just what her powers are capable of in some ways. Uh, and I've, I've seen a lot of theories around this, but I think a lot of it has to do with Catherine Hahn's character, Agnes, right here. Yes. Uh, she's obviously very front and center in a lot of what's gone on throughout the eras. Uh, you've seen a lot of these characters pop up. Norm has popped up in m- multiple episodes. Herb. You've seen a lot of them in, in different spots, but Agnes has always been front and center. And she does yeah. a great job of playing the wacky neighbor next door that you would see in a lot of family sitcoms. (laughs) Yeah, and I like how that evolved over the course of the episodes, too, where, you know, she's kind of like the nosy neighbor, like kind of peeking over the hedges or whatever in like the original episode, like in the Dick Van Dyke era of of this show. But now that we're in the 80s and doing Family Ties and Full House, uh, she's like less of a nosy neighbor and more just like the kind of the kind of Kimmy Gibbler, like barge right into the uh, (laughs) the house type deal and all that stuff. So Wanda says maybe they need some help on cue. Agnes comes in to offer some, which gives Vision a little bit of a uh, head-turning moment. He yep. pushes back. He pushes back, and again it gets weird. Agnes asks Wanda if she wants her to quote take that again. Right. Then says she should take it from the top. <laughs> what I found interesting about this was so when you see Mister Hart choke after he's saying um. Why are you here? 
why did you come here? And he's yelling at Wanda. That is sort of a character-breaking moment. Uh, The same with Dottie when she breaks the glass and her hand bleeds. Uh, You you do have those character-breaking moments in the other episodes. But this one, she broke character and then she kind of wanted to walk it back. She seemed more in control of herself than those other characters did in the past. I think you're right about that. And again, I think this show is starting to hint at something a lot larger with Agnes. Uh, and there's a lot of theories going around that she might be uh, Agatha Harkness, uh, which is a Marvel Comics like kind of witch character, uh, which I've been like, uh, you know, I, I have a subscription to Marvel Unlimited. And uh, over the past couple of years, I've just been kind of like on and off reading from the beginning kind of thing. Uh, so ra- I have no idea what's going on in modern comics, like what's happening right now in comics, but I can tell you a lot <laughs> about what's happening in 1972. And <laughs> and Agatha Harkness is like a big part of the Fantastic Four. She like watches uh, Reed Richards and Sue Storm's child, and th- it's like she's their nanny in some ways. But uh, yeah, she has like mystical magic powers. She's like a witch. Uh, and it seems like Agnes might be, uh, you know, kind of a cover. Like Agnes sounds like Agatha Harkness. It's like a com- combination of those two words. Who knows? Who who knows what could be happening here? And she is a villain, right? I, uh, I think in some, I mean, not 1972, she's not. Uh, but she definitely <laughs> seems, <laughs> but she definitely has like a, a creepy vibe around her. <laughs> in those early comics so uh, i actually have no idea whether she becomes a villain later on uh but i've also seen a lot of theories that like she might be working with uh mephisto which is like the kind of you know actual like the literal devil who is a villain <laughs> in marvel <laughs> comics uh and so that might be uh, a thing that's uh this is leading towards also there's uh, a few different directions this could go down uh but largely i think this is going to be like this show has become a, largely a character piece about wanda uh, and how she's, I mean, Wanda's acting like a villain in this uh, in the show also. And maybe she's being like overpowered by somebody else. But it seems like she's acting it with villainous intent in a lot of these uh, scenes, too. Oh, and you get that a lot in this episode. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so next we see Vision question Wanda about this very strange conversation as Wanda yep. just tries to blow past it. They continue talking. Agnes is seemingly watching the children, trying to feed them or have them drink dark liquor. Right. And when Vision and Wanda turn around, they are five years old. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. which Agnes has absolutely no reaction to. <laughs> right. Yeah. She, and, actually uh, sees, and that's... She, she actually sees them age up twice. And right. Just they turn five no and then they turn ten. Yeah, yeah. They turn ten later. And b- both times, no reaction. Uh, which, you know, is, again, a very strange thing for Agnes, considering, like, how every other character reacted whenever they saw something like strange going on in the, in the WandaVision world, you know, when like, you know, they had to like do a whole magic show, like, and show that these were actual like magic tricks and not literal magic because, uh, you know, how, how would people react and all that stuff? Uh, so the fact that Agnes has basically no reaction to all this, uh, is pretty wild. And in episode four, we saw that Wanda will kind of turn back time or just kind of snap ahead in time or do something yeah. to kind of, masquerade that even within the broadcast but that did not happen uh with with either time that the boys aged up and it just totally was was lost over yeah and now wanda's like just using her powers while agnes is in the room too that's also part of it like like while agnes is behind her back wanda like opens i forget what she does exactly but she like opens something with her powers yes yeah for sparky good old sparky which by the way uh, sparky (laughs) Long live Sparky, sort of. <laughs> um, uh, 
when I was in college, uh, I had to do like a big final project uh, for one of my classes, uh, and my stuff was always like comedy stuff, and it was pretty bad. But like when I, <laughs> but How when I was in college, you? how dare uh, that's you? True. I was that's one true. of your we biggest did, stars. <laughs> you did pop up in a couple of things. There, there was some really, there was some good stuff in there. I will say that. But uh, uh, <laughs> you know, Eddie and Slim's forever. Uh, but this is this is after you left college. Uh, my my like final project, my final semester was like this big parody of sitcoms that I had to do with my class and so we had to use like the actual studio and I had a multi-camera setup for it and uh, I, I had a recurring joke like basically the way it was structured is like every commercial break it would be parodying a different sitcom like at, when it came back uh, so like, the first one was a full house parody the second one was, it was a the office parody and the third one was a friends parody I was I was WandaVision before WandaVision was a you thing. were ahead of your time exactly and I had a recurring joke where in in each of the three segments and each like it was different characters, different settings each time. But in every one of them, I had a character slip on a banana peel and then blame the dog for leaving it out there. And the dog was named Sparky. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They yeah, must have I'm, se- I'm, they must have seen it. You know what? It's on YouTube. I think it has like 20 <laughs> views. Uh, I, Kevin Feige must have been one of them <laughs> is all I'm saying. Kevin Feige, we have questions. Please call yes. us. <laughs> Yeah, but speaking of that dog, my girlfriend, who does not watch the show, uh, came in, you know, dropped off some food, like, as she came home from work, and uh, sat down with me for a few minutes while we ate while I watched the show. And, uh, you know, she's very into animals. She likes dogs a lot. And so the dog <laughs> came on screen. She was very happy, very excited to see this dog. And then she left the room, like, you know, five or ten minutes later. And then, like, <laughs> the dog died. And I could hear her from the other room going, like, no! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Easy come, easy yeah. go. I know. The highs and lows of your day when you come home from work. <laughs> <laughs> so, we get the intro, which we already talked about, and post-intro, yep. we're back in the real world. We're back outside Westview. Uh, Monica is getting checked out by a doctor. All the tests come back blank. Monica yeah. resists more tests. So, Monica Rambo, what's 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 her background in the comics, Mike? Uh, Monica B- Rambo. Again, I know a lot of stuff from about 1972 Marvel <laughs> comics. Uh, and a- as of right now, in my in my Marvel comics, uh, Carol Danvers is not even Captain Marvel yet. She's not even Miss Marvel yet. It's not, it's a that's a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> but I believe Monica Rambo uh has powers in the comics and becomes a character named Photon, uh, which is the uh the nickname they give to Maria Rambo, her mother, like, which you see like on the yes. plaque in the show. Uh, and so she has like superpowers and stuff in the actual comics. Uh, and it seems like, you know, because I don't think she had these powers before, but I think when Wanda hit her and like threw her out of like, you know, orbit or whatever that like threw her out of the hex, um, you know, possibly something of Wanda's power is like awakened something in her or whatever it was, uh, something along those lines. Yeah. Cause there's, so th- I believe they did a, a brain scan and a blood test and, they basically just came back empty. There was like yep. no, no, nothing on her brain scan and nothing in her blood, which is not normal. Uh, that's a little strange. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, you are, you are correct. You, I mean, did you go to medical medical school, uh, Mike? I don't know. <laughs> Upstairs medical that's a- college. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the briefing, we see Director Hayward. He's delivering uh, about Wanda. They say that they used to believe that she was one of many victims, and now she is prime victimizer, which I 
You know, I've seen a lot of procedural shows over the years. I've never heard the term prime victimizer. I have to be honest with you. <laughs> I thought that was a little strange. That's a new one. Str- strange wording. Jimmy Woo stands up for Wanda's track record as an Avenger, but director Hayward shuts that down. And Hayward yeah. and Monica debate the basis of Wanda's intentions, whether she is evil or if there's something else, some other driving force be- going yeah. on behind her. Uh Right. And obviously, Murray, uh, Monica Rambeau is probably correct in her assumption that, uh, you know, like Wanda was a reformed Avenger, right? She became somebody who was actually fighting for a greater cause than just herself and all that stuff. And she has like a solid track record with the Avengers other than, you know, that one time she accidentally killed a bunch of people in Lagos. Uh, I will get to that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we will get to that. That does weave its way in there. I did like, you know, in this briefing scene, they do make a note to reference Lagos, just so when the commercial comes up in a little bit, uh, you remember like, oh, yeah, Lagos, that was the name of the place, <laughs> which was which was very helpful because it's been a couple of years since I've watched Civil War, I think, and I probably would not have remembered that uh, <laughs> that Lagos yeah. was the name. You know, I noticed he said it. And then I noticed it in the commercial and I still Googled it just to make sure it was what I was thinking it was. <laughs> Just to be sure, I was like, that was definitely at the beginning of Civil War, but let me just check right. to make sure it was at the beginning of Civil War. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what is your read on Director Hayward? Uh, I'm kind of with Darcy. I think he's a dick. It's uh, <laughs> he's just, uh, You know, I, I mean, I think uh, Hayward gets introduced in episode four, right? In the, uh, in the most marvel of these episodes, I guess, right? <laughs> is yeah it's safe to say like that's the one that feels most like an actual marvel thing uh compared to these other three uh, the other four which uh are a little bit different and like do i mean this one's like a mix of the first three episodes and then episode four uh but yeah hayward is introduced in that episode and uh you know i i feel like you know i maybe they're gonna do something more with him he's not, like I, I forget who plays hayward but it's not like a big name you know, it's not a guy who's like super. Rec- I think he was in The Affair, like that TV show from a few years ago. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I feel like with a character like that, who is like the head of sword, like I kind of want like a little bit more of like a Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury <laughs> name, like a gravitas at least. Right. Uh, somebody yeah. along those lines. Uh, and it seems like Hayward is going to be, I think, temporary. You know, he's somebody who is in charge of sword right now. And he's working on this Wanda case and he really thinks Wanda is evil and wants to take her out and all that stuff. Uh, But obviously it's going to be it's going to be revealed to be more than that. Uh, Monica being, you know, kind of having been on the inside and seeing that Wanda has, you know, has control over it, but isn't necessarily like uh, it may have started as a subconscious thing and all that stuff. Like she she knows that like she's this is like her form of grief and all that stuff. So I think. I think Hayward is a temporary thing. I think we, we this this show may be the only time we ever see Hayward. I think like just throwing like random theories out there, but like by the end of this show or very soon after, uh, either Monica Rambo or Jimmy Woo will be like the head of Sword <laughs> or something like that. He um yeah, he gives off an energy. He, he I feel is a villain. Yeah, in this show. I mean, yeah, as far but, as right now, which right, well, sort of Wanda is the villain right now, but he is opposing Wanda in a different way than everyone else is opposing Wanda. Like he really wants to take her out. He, my curiosity is, I know there's a lot of theories out there that he is like a serious villain and somebody that's going to have to be defeated, and I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think, it, it, I, I think it might just be that he's somebody for Monica 
to defeat and take down. Because yeah, I, there was that weird line in episode four where he says, you know, I just want to talk about the elephant in the room that I took your mother's position and it kind of should have been yours. And Monitor says, well, you were the obvious choice. And he goes, well, I was the only choice. And she goes, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> Right. Yeah, which was a good exchange. And uh, yeah, I mean, really, really everything with Monica has been really fascinating to me, especially with episode four, like be, having it start off with like her returning from the blip, right? The uh, the yeah. the the thing where everybody returns, like who was dusted five years ago by Thanos in Avengers Endgame. Uh, and I loved seeing that scene, especially because you know, with with Endgame, you don't really get a sense of every like the rest of the world. Like, obviously, like all the heroes came back. So you assume everybody else who got dusted also came back. Uh, and, you know, you get a little bit more of that from Spider-Man Far From Home, which came out right after Endgame. Uh, but that movie plays it much more like, haha, isn't it hilarious that all these people came back to life? <laughs> like, it's, uh, you <laughs> like know, it plays it for last. the basketball court? Yeah, which is pretty funny. Uh, but like this episode actually deals, or the episode four deals with the actual horror of like what that would be like, especially like in a hospital like she was in, uh, where, you know, people are coming back and like people are like materializing in different hospital rooms and like there's chaos everywhere. And nobody knows what exactly is happening. Uh, you know, it's, it's, almost as horrifying as the first time it happened when everyone disappeared. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's another chaos level event basically. Uh, and I like that the show actually delved into that. It like, gave us a glimpse of what that looked like uh, and actually had a, an element of tragedy to it with her mother, Maria Rambo, who was the supporting character in Captain Marvel. Uh, somebody who I thought we might see more of in other movies, even though Captain Marvel was going to have a time jump into the present day for Captain Marvel too. Uh, you know, somebody who could pop up later uh, and instead, uh, there's an, an element of tragedy there where her mother died two years into the snap. So she never got to see her daughter come back to life, uh, after the blip, uh, which is, it's pretty sad, pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and you do get that nice moment. Like, I, I like how they've set up Hayward because you can kind of question where he stands in that episode. You get him saying, you know, you're grounded to Monica, but this is, yeah. it's your mother's policy because she believed you would come back. And it's kind right. of a nice moment that they share. And it's kind of a nice moment they share outside, the, the one I was just speaking of. And it's it sets him up as though he's on her side. But as we're moving along here, they're not on the same page at all. And they're, they, no. they, do, they do not hold the same beliefs about what's happening here. Yeah, I, absolutely I, not. I, I, I like that. I like how it's setting him up because it, it could take him anywhere. And it could take him to a place where if he dies, you're not going to be sad. So right. yeah, he's he's a di he's a dick. He's a, he, <laughs> nobody likes Hayward. Uh, we should you know he just seems like somebody who I, I feel like I would be more invested in Hayward as a character if it was you know no disrespect to the actor who plays him, but like somebody of like who had a little bit more gravitas. I feel like I feel like it's got to be somebody on like you know the head of Sword has to be like on the level of the head of Shield, right? So that has to be a Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury level casting, uh, and it's just it's it just isn't. I feel like. <laughs> But that could be intentional. Marvel does these things very, with 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 That's very true. very heavy intention. Yeah, that, that could be generally. Very, that could be very deliberate. He might, uh, you know, turn out to be a scroll or something. Like who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh, well, although speaking of, I, I did want to quickly mention. I, I think this might be later in the episode. Who I, I forget, but uh, there is a moment where they mention Captain Marvel. Uh, yeah, and Monica just kind of. And and Monica has like this like ugh. <laughs> like she seems uh, she kind of clams up and seems upset they even brought her up. 
uh, which is which funny. Was which is funny because in episode four, when they're talking about all the weapons that Sword is making now, and Monica yeah. kind of objects to that, Hayward says, we have a lot of enemies up there. And Monica says, we always did, but we also have allies. Right. Which you would think yeah. was referring to Captain Marvel. Yeah, exactly. So it makes you wonder, like, maybe she blames Monica or blames Captain Marvel for uh, not helping out her mother or something uh, during... Like while she was dying of cancer or whatever, I'm not I'm not exactly sure. I, I would imagine if this show doesn't follow up on it, like I I would have to imagine that uh, Monica Rambo would be in Captain Marvel too. Um, like I, that might have already been announced. I have no idea. Uh, but but like uh, I would I would imagine that sh- that movie will probably follow up on this in some way. It's trying to give us something because my original thought was that it might show us the creation of Sword in right. some yeah. some way. Yeah, the weird thing is, and a friend of mine texted me, a friend of both of ours, who who remain nameless, uh, te- <laughs> texted me, texted me uh, today, and uh, you know, a, a weird point of confusion for me uh, and for him is that you know, sword just kind of appeared in this show, right? Like, there's never been like a mention of sword outside of Wandavision, and suddenly they're like this huge, big organization. Uh, but you know, I feel like. If they're like S.H.I.E.L.D., they likely operate secretly, right? Theoretically, they've been like the secret organization. They're also a much more recent thing than S.H.I.E.L.D., um, you know, because they were co-founded by Maria Rambo. So it has to have been like post the 90s. Uh, so probably in like the mid 2000s, S.W.O.R.D. starts to rise up a little bit. Uh, but my friend uh, had texted me being confused that like, well, if Hydra infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D., why didn't they also infiltrate S.W.O.R.D.? And I was like, well, maybe they didn't know about S.W.O.R.D. Uh, and then he was like, but and he's watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now. Uh, and there's, you know, little like help boxes that nick fury left for colson or whatever i've stopped watching that show for like four seasons but like uh for i have vague memories of this where like nick fury left little help boxes for colson and like and my friend was like uh you almost almost said it (laughs) i almost threw it out there my friend was like i I don't i find it hard to believe that like nick fury doesn't know about sword and it's like well he might know about swords like then why didn't he tell colson about it i was like i don't know stop asking me these questions (laughs) who cares well, um, it's, just, it's just funny to me because, you know, I've never been like the government or anything, but I would just think that <laughs> after after a major, you know, universe saving organization falls to an, an inside organization coming down and tearing it from the inside, you wouldn't yeah. want to just invest in another one. Uh, <laughs> that's basically the this exact same true. organization. So, I don't yeah, know. That's just, that's just me. One. But... <laughs> That is a that is a very good point. I mean, Sword in the comics is much more like the way the way the divide kind of works is like Shield handles you know the Earthbound problems and Sword handles like extraterrestrial stuff. Uh, and it sounds like that's sort of the setup here where Sword like you know has pilots going into space and stuff like that, uh, but maybe haven't in a little in a little while because of the uh, the snap and like all their pilots disappeared and all that stuff. Uh, so you know, there's that. So I, I think as of right now, they seem they seem to be functioning as if they were Shield. But like they they might evolve into more of what Sword in the comics is, you know, down the line, I guess, because I know they're doing like Secret Invasion with Nick Fury and uh, with Ben Mendelsohn uh, playing himself. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Nick Fury and the Scrolls and all that stuff. That's going to be a Disney Plus show and all that stuff. So I, I would imagine Sword is going to be like you know becoming the new Shield, but it, more outer spacey uh, over the course of the next few shows and movies. Well, it would make sense if, like, because there's always, like, you know what happens in the comics, and you understand what happens in the comics, but 
the MCU does follow, like, it will kind of deviate a little bit or... Yeah. There's there's multiple directions the comments could go, so the MCU has to just pick one lane. Right. So, like, you, even if you know the comments, you do kind of still have to think about where the movies might fall. And it made sense, like, when you see what happens in Captain Marvel, that Maria Rambo would be awfully concerned about space. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and what's going on out there. Right. So, 100%. it made sense that she might create a space organization... But where the government would have to say, hey, we kind of need your help because the guys that worried about down here uh, are gone. So <laughs> we really need you to step up and kind of expand your area of expertise. Yeah, exactly. And and it's one of those things that like, you know, I, I think S.W.O.R.D. kind of just showing up poses a lot of questions. Um, but at the same time, it's one of those things like, yeah, we might not get the answers to those questions. And you can kind of just roll with it and like, all right, there's S.W.O.R.D. It's it's another <laughs> it's another shield. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Absolutely. So after that, we get the first of two kind of mind-blowing moments for me, things yeah. I wasn't necessarily expecting to see. Hayward brings up footage of Wanda, pre-hex, breaking into the sword headquarters and stealing Vision's body. Yeah, that's awesome. In, <laughs> in, viola <laughs> in violation of the Sokovia Accords and Vision's living will, which apparently is something that he had, even though he wasn't a person. Uh, so yes. I was really blown away by this. This was not something I was expecting to see. And as you're watching through the security footage, her walking through headquarters and just kind of pushing people to the side, forcing doors open, like yeah. there's a... You do see a real evil intention in every step she takes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it looks bad for for Wanda. If you just watch that security <laughs> footage, uh, but yeah, I love I love the incredibly dark concept that Wanda has stolen Vision's corpse and put clothes on it and is now parading it around in like a like a surrealist <laughs> sitcom world. Uh, to me, that's awesome. That's great. Hundred percent. We should do more with that. Uh, which and that was kind of like you know in episode three i think maybe it was four uh but you see like a quick glimpse of like you know corpse vision with like you know the you know completely grayed out the infinity stones like ripped out of his head and he still has like a suit and tie on uh and it's uh and it rules uh that's that's the best especially as somebody who's pretty into like horror movies and weird shit like that uh that was a, a really cool like oh shit it's that's it, ah, vision uh because i remember that that moment in infinity war when thanos rips out the uh infinity stone from vision's head and he turns gray and stuff that's a really haunting image and uh oh, they yeah. use that they use that to really good effect uh in that episode of wandavision and the fact that she actually is parading around his corpse in this town is crazy <laughs> And yeah, and it's a dark, really dark image in Infinity War, and it gets darker when he's fucking standing there talking like it's worse. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And he's like under trying to beginning to comprehend uh, what <laughs> what is happening to him. It's uh, it's kind of nuts. It's kind of crazy. But one thing I will say is that they kind of intimate that he's living, that he's been yeah. reanimated by Wanda. So yes. I'm, I'm curious, like. There's been a lot of talk. Would he survive if he left Westview? And there's that, that is line. The question. In, there's that line in episode four where she says, "We can't leave. This is our like this is our home. We can't we can't leave." Yeah, which implies that he wouldn't. But then they say he's reanimated, which implies that he would. Like it's it, they really are walking a very fine line. Yep. And every everything they do, they're leaving a lot up to 
like probably it's going to be like the last episode is so much stuff is going to be found out and decided. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, with Vision be possibly being alive, which I did like, uh, you know, I saw I think it was David's cuff tweeted like, uh, you know, Jimmy Woo is all of us in WandaVision. And it's just a picture of him like at the billboard writing down is Vision alive? Why sitcoms like <laughs> just writing down questions about what's happening, uh, which was pretty funny. But I, I think Vision you know, I, I have mixed feelings about bringing Vision back, like actually being alive. Um, if he if he is to be actually alive by the end of the show, um, just because I have mixed feelings about bringing characters back from the dead in general, uh, in all kinds of storytelling. But that's also something that comic books have been doing, you know, forever. They they are basically soap operas where they kind of like kill a character and then a couple of years later being like that character's alive again, and you kind of roll with it. Uh, it w- with the movies, it's been different where. I mean, it hasn't even been that different. A lot of times, like, a character will appear to die in the movie, and then, like, by the end of the movie, they will miraculously have survived, uh, like Nick Fury and Winter Soldier, or uh, Pepper Potts and Iron Man 3, or that kind of thing. Uh, but... Brody and, uh, and Civil War. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was also a weird one. That uh, that I mean, I am glad we still have Rhodey, and I like Don Cheadle in the role. Um, but I think Civil War might have held a little more weight, which I think that's a pretty good Like, I like Civil War a lot. Uh, and you know, that movie works on its own, but I, I think if Rhodey had died and like, there was actually like real fury behind Stark and Cap in the fight after that, before the reveal that, uh, <laughs> you know, Bucky killed his mom. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think that would have been pretty great, but, and that, and that would have made it harder for them to come back together for Endgame too. So there's also that, but, uh, yeah, I, I think I completely lost my train of thought, but what I think I was trying to say is that, uh, in Infinity War, <laughs> there are a few deaths that happen. And an endgame. There are a few deaths in Infinity War and Endgame that happen that feel permanent, right? They feel like actual real deaths. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, as, as, as opposed to the end of the movie where, like, half the characters get dusted and you know, like, well, Spider-Man's going to come back and, you know, all that stuff. Like, it's going to happen. Uh, like, they'll, they'll be fine. Like, there's trailers for Spider-Man Far From Home before Endgame comes out. Uh, so, he'll be okay and Black Panther will be fine and all that stuff. But, like, Vision, Loki, Gamora... Uh, Tony Stark, like they all, like Black Widow, they they all like actually died, died. Uh, and like we're seeing now, they're finding ways to sort of bring some of these characters back. Uh, where like Vision is in this show, and like they're doing a Loki show, but it's about the Loki that stole the Cosmic Cube in 2012, and not the Loki that actually died. So there's that, and you know, Gamora from the other timeline came into Endgame, so she can still be in the movies, but it's going to be a different Gamora. So. That's fine, because the actual character did die. But then, uh, you know, with with Vision, I feel like if they actually just like literally brought it back to life at the end of the show, I don't know. I mean, it, it would depend on how they did it. You know, that'd be fine, because it's sort of like a, in The Mandalorian. I was pretty fine with them bringing Boba Fett back. Uh, you know, like with when the, with the way they brought Boba Fett back, I was like, all right, yeah, this is pretty fun. But like when they brought back the Emperor in Rise of the Skywalker, it's like, fuck this. I hate this so much. <laughs> You know, it all it all depends on context. The one thing I would say is, and I, I agree with you, because the first movie I saw was Civil War with you. Right. Yes. And yeah, I took I took you to Civil War because uh, I was supposed to go with a bunch of friends and they bailed on me. Uh, and I was like, well, it's opening night for Civil War. I got to go. Uh, Pockets, I know you haven't seen any other Marvel movie, but <laughs> would you like to go with me? <laughs> and you were like, sure, why not? And you ended up really enjoying it. It was a life changing moment. But yeah, <laughs> Rhodey's death would have made it even more life changing because like 
it just would have been a lot heavier. Like, I remember yeah. watching that on opening night, packed theater. Like, everybody was dead silent. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that, just, <laughs> that just happened. Yep. But where I would be okay with them bringing Vision back is you would – Wanda won't just be okay. Like, no. Wanda, yeah, Wanda, has, a- Wanda has broken from this. Yeah, so it seems like she's going to be get... a very pivotal character going forward because she's going to be in Doctor Strange 2, uh, which is called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, which is a great <laughs> title for a movie. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, so it seems like she's going to be a heavy part of that movie, especially with all the multiverse stuff, which uh, this episode kind of gets into. Uh, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, they're doing like the multiverse stuff in the new Spider-Man movie, too, with, uh, you know, they possibly bring back Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and all that stuff. Uh, so, it, I mean, it really feels like they're leaning hard into the multiverse with this next phase of movies and shows, and it feels like Wanda could be a central character for that. Yeah, absolutely. And seeing the effect that this has had on her throughout this series, the effect that Pietro had on her, which kind of got lost over a little bit and was kind of seen as something that, yeah, it obviously is a sadness within her, but she has use that to fuel her like kind of doing yeah. good and being an avenger now it's kind of hitting her differently yeah and i think i said to my friend when uh when they first mentioned pietro in like episode three i think uh when yeah when Ger- when geraldine slash monica rambo like says like oh pietro wasn't he your brother he was killed by ultron uh i think i said to my friend like i'm pretty sure it's the first time they've mentioned pietro since he died <laughs> like yeah. i don't think they've actually said his name in a movie since then and he almost felt like a forgotten character uh, and so I like that this show is really dig like, you know, I-, I figured it would be digging into Wanda's trauma uh, about Vision, about Vision having been killed. And obviously it is doing that. Um, but I think it's a combination of that and also the loss of her brother and also, you know, her experience in Lagos. and all. It- it's all coming to a head like she's just been through so much uh, and it- it- she she broke it-, it broke her. And now she's uh, in fans- fanciful sitcom land. <laughs> The, I think the closest they came was at the end of Endgame when she's standing with Hawkeye on the lake and Hawkeye says, I just want her to know that we won, talking about Natasha. Black Widow, yeah. And Wanda says, she knows, and then they kind of like share a look and look off over the lake and say, they all know, which obviously includes Vision, but I yeah. think would include Pietro as well. Because yeah, remember, Pietro died saving Hawkeye's life. Right. Yeah, so that's also a key part of it. It's important that it was them too, not, you know, anybody. Could yeah, I did, Bru- I did have- Bruce I, and Wanda. Yeah, I did, I did have a vision of Endgame, like, before it came out. Like, I knew a lot of the, all, all the Dusted characters would come back, but I was thinking to myself, like, what if they, like, snap their fingers and just bring every character who, like, back? Like, <laughs> like the, the portal's open and Pietro, like, runs out there and, like, whacks one of Thanos' guys and is like, you didn't see that's coming? And then runs away. <laughs> would have brought the house down would have been incredible be like half people being like oh and then half people being like who is that again yeah (laughs) who is that (laughs) but yeah i mean and you you talked about it with episode four and the dusting coming back like it was we we talked about earlier they do everything with such intention and yeah Tony saying, we're bringing everybody back now. We're not going back in time. Like everybody who's dusted, they come back right now to this moment. Nothing else. 
Like, that was a decision they made, and it's going to weigh heavily on how this universe plays out. Again, we saw it a lot in, jokingly, in Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. Yeah, with where, certain, you know... certain one, things and... Yeah, well, like, one of the characters was, like, you know, a kid who didn't get dusted, and now he's hot, everybody. Like, that's the... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's kind of one of the plot points of that movie <laughs> and stuff. Uh, so, yeah, there's, like, you know, Spider-Man kind of played it for goofs. Uh, but I... But... And one of my complaints about Far From Home... Uh, when I saw it is that, uh, you know, I wanted to see more about what the world was like after everybody came back to life. Uh, cause I think Endgame did a pretty good job of showing you, like, you know, what the world is like now that everyone's gone. Uh, but to have all those people suddenly reappear is another world changing event, uh, which happens a lot in the Marvel Universe. Like, to be fair, like the world changes yeah. <laughs> every other week. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think with Far From Home, they kind of like, you know, use it a little bit in the beginning and have like that one character who was a kid and now he's like in their class and stuff. But, you know, they, they really kind of brush past it in that movie. And it's more about, you know, Tony Stark's death and weighing on Peter Parker and all that stuff, which I have, you know, I, I enjoy those Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland, but I do have issues with them specifically that I, I prefer my Spider-Man completely disconnected from any kind of like rich industrialist. Like he should be like this scrappy kid. <laughs> barely surviving on his own. Uh, and the fact that like they had Tony Stark be his mentor and give him all his suits and stuff is like, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of that. It's like, there's, there's one moment in far from home where like Spider-Man like stranded in like Switzerland or something. He's like stranded on a farm in Switzerland. And he has like, you know, no phone, no way to contact anybody. Uh, and like, you know, you, you're thinking to yourself like, man, Spider-Man's got to rely on his wits to get out of here and go fight Mysterio. Uh, and then he finds a phone and calls happy. And they, he's like, <laughs> just comes like swings by on a plane and they all leave happily ever after and it's like ah that that would have been a lot more interesting if spider-man had to figure out a way for himself to get out of there i think yeah but speaking of you know in far from home you talked about uh, uh, the the way tony's death weighs on peter a lot of it is like there are all these murals and memorials to tony all over the world yeah because he died fighting Thanos and beating Thanos and saving the world yep. from all that destruction. But, you know, we see in this episode, they know a lot about what happened in that fight. They reference yeah. Wanda and, and Captain Marvel almost beating Thanos single-handedly. Like, right. they know a lot about what happened. I'd be curious to see, like, if Monitor knows that Tony said, hey, just bring everybody back now instead of bringing everybody back five years ago. Hmm. Monica may realize, you know, in a, her, the rational side of her head that that made sense. But in the irrational side of her head that lost two years with her mom, she'd be like, yeah. cut that guy. Like, why didn't you bring me back five years ago? <laughs> right. And I mean, the whole reason he does it, which Tony Stark, you know, I, I mean, I think I think the whole arc of Tony Stark is he's this guy in the original Iron Man who's very, very selfish and like only thinks about himself. And then by the end of that movie and like. He kind of repeats this arc a lot throughout all the movies, but like by the end of it, he becomes somebody who is more selfless and is thinking about the world at large. And I think, you know, from Iron Man to the Avengers, where he, you know, takes the nuke and brings it out into space and all that stuff, like sacrifices himself. It's like, oh, man, there's a there's an arc there. There's a journey he goes on. And it's something that he kind of slips and falls on throughout, you know, the movies. But I think in Endgame, uh, it's a partially selfish decision to do that, because the reason he does that is uh, because he has a daughter. He had a daughter in that time. Uh, yeah. He had his his daughter, Morgan Stark, who's like four years old now. And, you know, if, if they reverse time or they like, you know, change everything that happened since then, like she won't have been born. Uh, and he doesn't want that. Obviously, it's his daughter. So, you know, he, I think he's just trying to make it right with the people who like bringing back the people who were stolen from the world. 
Um, but that does also create its own set of insane things that happen. Like, yeah, Maria Rambo passes away while Monica is dusted and then comes back. And it's it's wild because, like, it kind of feels like we got really off topic, but we didn't. Like, because yeah, <laughs> everything is so strongly connected throughout the MCU. Like, it's it's pretty crazy. I my favorite thing about it is how connected everything is and how intertwined it all is and how one thing leads to another. Yeah, which can be overwhelming, I think, for a lot of fans, oh, uh, especially like, you know, you get like people kind of diving into it in some ways. But uh, it's also, you know, I, I think they have done a pretty good job of making them connected without making you have to necessarily watch everything. Um, you know, like if you want to watch everything, go for it. You can. Uh, but <laughs> but, you know, I, like you don't need to see. Uh, Thor Ragnarok to understand Guardians of the Galaxy 2. You know, like they, no. they're two completely separate movies uh, and stuff like that. Like, it, as long as you see, like, if you're watching a series of movies, like, if you, you could follow, like, a character, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, if, if you know a character, like, you could just watch Thor movies and Avengers movies, and you'll be good to go on Thor. Like, you, you like seeing Thor? You're gonna watch Thor in those movies? Great. And then, <laughs> and, you know, outside of that, like, if you don't care about anybody else, you don't have to watch anybody else. You can just watch, uh, you know, your own character, which is how the comics work. Like, the comics are interconnected, but there are so many of them. Uh, and, you know, a ridiculous amount of comics get published monthly. Like, it's impossible to read everything. Uh, so you kind of just have to pick and choose, like, the characters you like or the writers that you like and just kind of roll with that. Uh, and, you know, every once in a while, there'll be a big event where they want you to collect you know, all these kind of tie in books and stuff like that. But if the event is written well, you can just read the event and you'll be good to go. We talked earlier about the first movie I saw it was Civil War and I yeah. really enjoyed it. And yeah. And, and that's one the, that involves a lot of characters from a lot of different movies. <laughs> the good thing about it was it was I was capable of understanding it and capable of following it and enjoying it on its own. But it was so good. It made me want to go back and see everything else. Yeah, and, so they, and it, they work it, it better with the, both they, ways. Yeah, and they, I, I think they do work better with the context of everything. But I'm also a completionist, and I've also been watching these movies from the beginning anyway. Uh, yeah. You know, like I saw, like I've, <laughs> I, so it's also one of those things. Like maybe my <laughs> my judgment is askew here. Uh, but you know, I saw Iron Man and the. I've seen every one of these movies in theaters, uh, and now watching the show on Disney Plus and stuff. And I watched, you know, I, I watched Agents of Shield. I, I religiously watched Agents of Shield for a while, and then uh, one day I just kind of fell off of it. Uh, literally because my DVR didn't tape the season premiere. Uh, and I was like, instead of going back to watch it, I was like, well, I guess I'm not watching the <laughs> shield anymore. <laughs> like, I, And, you know, I enjoyed the show, but it was just a, it was a little too much to keep up with at the time. I thought about going back to it at some point. Um, but like I've watched Agent Carter, but like the Netflix, Netflix shows. Uh, Disney Plus, you mean? Or Agent no, of Shield. Agent Agents of Shield Shields. is all on Netflix. Yeah, that's weird. That's on Netflix, actually, it feels like. Yeah, weird licensing. Agent uh, Agent Carter's all on Disney Plus, I believe. Yeah, which that one was unavailable for a long time. So I'm glad that this, that's available on Disney Plus because that show rules. Uh, if you haven't watched Agent <laughs> Carter, did you watch Agent <laughs> Carter? Have you watched that? Uh, I started it. I didn't finish it. It's really, really good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I liked that one. That was canceled before its time. Um, but like the Netflix shows like Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, Iron Fist, th those all took place within the Marvel Universe. Uh, and I watched a little bit of the, like I watched like, the first two seasons of Daredevil, the first season of Jessica Jones and the first season of Luke Cage. Um, but I, like they they didn't really do all that much for me. Uh, Jessica Jones was actually really good, but the rest of them didn't really do all that much for me. And uh, so eventually I just kind of felt like, eh, 
you know, I don't need to watch this, especially because those shows were like really disconnected from the rest of the Marvel stuff. <laughs> like the the movies would never reference them. There are rumors now that like Charlie Cox might come back as Daredevil in the new Spider-Man movie, uh, which would be kind of interesting. And I'd be kind, that'd be kind of cool to see. But, uh, you know, like the point is you can kind of just pick and choose what you want to watch, like w- within a series or whatever it is, you know, like you can watch Guardians one and two and then be good. Like <laughs> if you choose Before- to. <laughs> Before we started recording, I was talking about my cousin who just started watching all the movies on Disney Plus. Yeah, and but before he had seen, uh, you know, like he before he started watching from the beginning with Iron Man and Hulk and all those movies, he had only seen the first Avengers movie and both Guardians movies. Okay, and he and <laughs> Bas- he loved them. basically he, disconnected movies. He loved all three of them. Like, yeah. <laughs> he really he really enjoyed them. Nice. He, I mean. We know, like, looking at, like, box office numbers, that, like, Black Panther and Captain Marvel performed better oh, yeah. than a lot of the other standalone movies. Yeah, that Black Panther was huge. Captain Marvel was huge. They were, they were both really, really big. Like, I think Black Panther was the highest grossing non-Avengers movie in the entire MCU or something like that. Uh, don't and it was tremendously well received. Yeah. Like, it, you, nominated you nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> So it, it it is what it is. The, the MCU is is a very powerful machine. But yeah, I mean, and, we, and at this point, it is a machine. That. <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of glad, like you know, with COVID and stuff. Like, obviously, I'm not glad that COVID exists, but uh, I was glad that uh, it kind of gave me a break from the MCU for a little bit um, because I feel like I'm enjoying these Wandavision episodes more, having not had a Marvel thing in a little while. Um, you know, with uh, we were getting to a point where they were coming out with like three movies a year and all that stuff, and we're going to get right back into that. Hopefully, when theaters reopen, oh, it's uh, going to be all Marvel all the time. Yeah, twenty twenty one, bro. <laughs> uh, it's going to be wild. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Like, there's rumors that Black Widow might get pushed again and all that stuff. But you know, they're obviously still planning on theatrical releases. Uh, but like, you know, with twenty twenty. You know, they were going to have the two movies, Black Widow and Eternals, and they were going to debut WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier and like three or four different Disney Plus shows. Uh, and I remember just like looking down the barrel of that and being like, oh, geez, that's so much stuff that I'm going to like, I'm going to like, I feel I say I'm going to have to watch because it feels like an obligation almost. Uh, but it's stuff I want to watch. Like I'm <laughs> I'm eager to watch it. Uh, but it is just like, oh, man, that's that's a lot. Uh, but then COVID happened and uh, delayed everything. And suddenly I had a year without any Marvel stuff. And I was like, oh, OK, I'm kind of like ready to dip my toe back into the Marvel pool. Uh, and I'm really enjoying having this like mini dose of Marvel every week, I guess, you know, where I, it's, it hits that, it scratches that itch. I believe you said it on your podcast. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yes. Available uh, wherever podcasts are sold. Like this one. Uh, <laughs> so I believe you said it there and you might not have even talked about Marvel. You might've been talking about star Wars, but like if we ever get to a point where, there's two Marvel shows every Friday or two Star Wars shows every Friday, yeah. then it becomes like a bit of a chore. And yeah, it becomes, that, that'd be that too becomes much. a thing, you know? Yeah. And I, and I, and I don't think they would, I, I feel like that would detract attention from both shows. You know, you, if you have one show airing every week, uh, and I, I would hope that it's like a Star Wars show, like for three, for, you know, two months, and then it would be a Marvel show or whatever. Like, you know, I don't want them to overlap, like no. all that stuff. I, f- I feel like you're, dr- you, you want one big event show happening every week that draws people into Disney plus. I think, I think that would be the smart move. Uh, and it seems like that's what's going to be the case, at least for 2021. Um, just the way they've scheduled it out right now, they have 
I think five Marvel shows coming out this year, which sounds insane, but each one's only like eight episodes, six to eight episodes. Uh, I think WandaVision is nine, uh, um, yeah. but it, it's but they're all like, you know, in the six to nine episode range. Uh, and, you know, they're all weekly shows, probably like 30 to 40 minutes like Mandalorian and WandaVision have been doing. Uh, so it's like, you know, it's like a mini dose of the universe telling stories with characters that you like. Uh, so it's going to be I think it's WandaVision now and then Falcon Winter Soldier starts like two weeks after WandaVision ends. Uh, and then Loki is in May. And then you got What If in July or uh, August, I think, which that's a different kind of thing. That's going to be like an animated yeah, show. That's, that's going to be more theoretical, which I'm excited for. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, weird, Weirdly, that's going to be where Chadwick Boseman's final performance as Black Panther is going to be. <laughs> yeah, weird. <laughs> which is very strange. Uh, and then after that, it's going to be uh, cool, Miss... Yeah, kind of, kind of a cool, weird one. Because I, I, I've heard the description of that one where it's like, "What if uh, Yandu picked up Black Panther instead of instead of Star Lord, and he became like?" <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. That's gonna be. Oh, that's yeah. gonna be wild then. That is gonna be <laughs> insane. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that's what if in July, and then I think the back half of the year is the Hawkeye show and Miss Marvel. Uh, which Miss Marvel is the only like new character they're bringing in to these shows so far, which they're going to be doing more like She-Hulk and Moon Knight and stuff. But for this year, like it's a lot of like pre-established characters and then also Miss Marvel, uh, which Miss Marvel. Uh, again, I, I've read I've read a few of the modern Miss Marvel comics, uh, Kamala Khan, uh, and they're really, really good. Uh, and I'm excited to see that character in live action, like get the uh, the full Disney Plus treatment, and then she's going to be in Captain Marvel too. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm guessing. Do you do you have any familiarity with the uh, Miss Marvel, Mike? That's a super popular like modern character of the show. Uh, of no, the comics. I, I don't. I've just started. I also have Marvel Unlimited, but I just started getting into all these different comics. Mostly, all yeah. I've read so far is House of M. Hello. Okay. Uh, I mean, that, that's that's fair. That's some good research for Wandavision, I think. <laughs> Uh, but I do believe there is one other character being brought in, and that's Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series. Yeah, that, that's going to be in the Hawkeye show, yeah. Haley Seinfeld. So that, uh, yes. Yeah, you're well, right. I'm a big fan uh, of, so that, that should be pretty cool. Yeah. Big True Grit fan over here. I am. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> big Pitch Perfect 2 fan, excuse me. That, that makes more sense. That's, uh, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, or Spider-Verse fan. She was in Spider-Verse. Did you ever see Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, Mike? Yeah, she, uh, yeah, she plays I, I did see that. Yeah, she plays Spider Gwen. She rules. Really, that's the best. Such a good movie. Yeah, I saw. I saw it uh, right around Christmas. I had I had never gotten around to seeing it, but it was on Netflix. It was actually leaving Netflix on Christmas. Okay. So I was like, you know what? I have to just watch it. And I was like, really mad at myself that I hadn't watched it this whole yeah, time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is weird that like the Spider Verse animated movie found a lot of success, and then they were like, hey, we should do Spider Verse in the live action movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, which is kind of a weird thing, but that is what it seems like they're doing which is wild we should probably talk about wandavision though because i feel Although, like we went way off track. <laughs> i just want to i just want to say and spoilers for spider-man into the spider-verse just in case yeah. you haven't seen it uh super fucking dark i was stunned when they killed spider-man like 10 minutes oh, yeah. into the movie <laughs> you know tw 2018 was a rough year for kids who loved spider-man because he was dusted in infinity war <laughs> uh and then a few months later he was killed in spider-verse <laughs> <laughs> like if you, if you hated seeing spider-man die on screen the first time kids <laughs> watch it in this animated movie <laughs> i was like man i wonder how he's gonna get out of this one and then he dies and does yes. not get out of it he gets his face pumbled in like all right, right cool which 
<laughs> which that is uh that is the miles morales origin story that's what happens in the comics um because because miles is part of the ultimate universe so that's separate like a separate peter parker and all that stuff so uh that that was actually a kind of crazy thing when in the comics where like you're in ultimate spider-man like you're following peter parker for like 15 20 years uh and then they introduce miles and uh, peter parker like immediately dies uh and, and miles becomes the new spider-man in the ultimate spider-man line uh and it's pretty wild but miles morales is great everybody should watch spider-verse if they haven't yet or read miles morales comics uh i'm about to start playing the new miles morales video game and i am very very excited about it i also haven't finished the spider-man video game so i'm just really behind on all my spider-man uh doings uh so you, back you should into finish spider-man game <laughs> rules Yes, back into WandaVision after a 20-minute uh, detour, possibly longer. Uh, where were we when we last uh, talked about it? What, what was so, the last thing you said? So the last thing we talked about was the Wanda breaking into S.W.O.R.D. headquarters. Yes. So then it goes back into Westview, but we already talked about this with the puppy and Wanda using her powers in front of Agnes, which Vision, yeah. not a fan. Uh, <laughs> he was very upset. But after yes. that, we, we go back outside Westview. And something I thought was interesting that I didn't point out during the intro because I wanted to bring it up now. We talked about Vision having all these pictures of his childhood, right? Yeah. And you kind of you kind of said that that might just be like, ah, look at this cute like intro thing that we're doing. Like, and I agree <laughs> with you. Uh, I don't think there's much there, but they also have pictures of Billy and Tommy in between the infant stage and five. Yeah. And at this point in the episode, Jimmy Woo looks at the pictures of Billy and Tommy that they have up on the board and says, have we identified these two yet? And that also comes back later when Vision looks out the window and says, how come I don't ever see any other children in Westview? Yeah. So I'm curious, are Billy and Tommy, Billy and Tommy, are they real? Do they exist? Like, what, what is going on here? Because... Monica says that they're hers, that everything is real. And Jimmy Woo's kind of like, not really. Like, she's <laughs> she's messing with everybody's <laughs> minds in there. Like, everything is just kind of being shape-shifted around into different forms and, and different costumes and different whatever. There's a yeah. lot of mind tricks being played. We don't know who they are, Billy and Tommy. Yeah, I mean, I believe that Billy and Tommy are characters in the comics. Like, they are the sons of Wanda and Vision. Um, but I don't know where they're going with this. Maybe Agatha Harkness is eating children or something. Who knows? <laughs> and that's why there's no kids in Westview or or whatever. Uh, yeah, I have I have genuinely no... I'm, I'm really curious where they end up going with Billy and Tommy because that was a development that I was I guess not super surprised to see like I think there might have been like a bit in the trailer where you see like a, a pregnant Wanda or something or you see like her with a baby or whatever uh, but when she got pregnant in the show I was like huh this is this is a, a direction that I wasn't really expecting it to go down uh, I think partially because like a lot like I think a criticism that goes towards Marvel a lot uh, and one that's partially true is that uh, you know they, they maintain the status quo uh, whenever they can. Like, there's very few instances where there's actual change in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, and to introduce two children into Wanda and Vision's lives, that's change. That's a big change right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, a big development for the two of them. Uh, so I was very... I'm, I'm really curious to see where they end up going with these two characters. Well, it's funny, too, because we just talked about Kate Bishop and the Young Avengers and all that sort of thing. And I was curious, well, how are you going to have 
Haley Steinfeld in present day play a young Avenger and then we're going to have yeah. two babies. But you know what? They age 10 years in about 20 minutes. So I don't think it's going to be a huge problem timeline wise. <laughs> that is a good point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which which also uh, a complete side note here. But did you know they recast um, uh, Ant-Man's daughter in Ant-Man 3? Like she's not the same person that played her in Avengers Endgame, uh, which is I think very strange. Uh, I remember reading that, and I, there was a reason, I believe. Do you remember yeah, what maybe that was? Like, well, I think uh, the person who played her in Endgame was Emma Furman, and I think in Ant-Man 3, it's going to be Catherine Newton, who was just in the movie Freaky with Vince Vaughn, uh, which she was really great in. I, I think it was partially just, uh, you know, maybe Emma Furman wasn't like as easily available or something, and Catherine Newton's like stars on the rise, so that was the reason they recast her. Uh, but it just feels weird that, like, you know, we had the daughter character in the first two Ant-Mans played by uh, Cassie Lang, uh, who's I forget the girl who plays her, but like, you know, obviously there was a time jump, and so they recast her in Endgame. And so it's like, which is oh, a okay, damn this- shame. That kid was tremendous in those two movies. Yeah. <laughs> that kid was great, but obviously a necessary recasting for story reasons. Uh, but then in Endgame, like, like you would think if they re- if they knew they had to recast the character for Endgame and they had like, you know, a plan in mind to make more Ant-Man movies and all that stuff, which, you know, in, in the comics, Scott Lang's daughter is also like young, a young Avenger, I think. Uh, you know, it, it would make sense to like lock in that casting <laughs> for Endgame so that you've got it for you know future movies. So it's weird that like uh, they cast somebody in Endgame and then recast her for Ant Man three. Very unmarvel like. Yeah, a after all strange. the talk we've done about the, in- the all the intention that they put into everything, they kind of just were whatever about that was a little strange. Yeah, and for, there have been sure. like re- there have been recastings uh, in the past and one in this episode, uh, but. <laughs> But, uh, you know, like, you know, Edward Norton became Mark Ruffalo and, uh, you know, Terrence Howard became Don Cheadle and stuff like that. But they were all they were also pretty early on. And generally, they were big improvements, which this might be an improvement. Who knows? Uh, but like they, they were also pretty early on, like before Marvel was the big thing it is. And whenever there's a recasting now, it's usually like a pretty small character. Like it'll be like, you know, Thor's friend Fandral is a different guy in these movies than <laughs> than he was in the first one. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah. it was a it was a strange one. Yeah, like you said, the the other ones were early. Even the one in this episode is kind of hinting at something else going on. So there's a little yeah. bit more to it than just it being a recast. That one was just straight up like, ah, eh, we're kind of done with this actor, and we're gonna move, we're gonna move on. <laughs> <laughs> super weird, super weird. But all right, where were we for one division? So so we're back in Westview, and this is actually I said two mind breaking moments. I guess you could include this one as well. Vision is at the office setting up a computer. The whole office receives an email from Sword about the Matsumoff anomaly. Yeah. And everybody just kind of takes it as a joke. And, you know, Vision, like, isn't this hysterical? And he's obviously very concerned. <laughs> knowing As you would be. Knowing uh, what, sort of what they might be referring to. Yeah. And then he uses his powers to remove Norm from Wanda's spell, if that's what you want to call it. He starts frantically looking for his phone. He wants to call his sister. He wants to check in on his sick dad, who his sister takes care of. And he's he's very, very shaken and frantic and upset. And he, he grabs Vision and he says that she is in my head. It hurts. Please make her stop. You have to make her yeah. stop. Very, very dark. Like, this show oh, yeah. gets... This show gets dark. <laughs> Yeah, for, much darker than your typical Marvel thing. Yeah, it's funny like watching the reaction every week. Like, well, I hope they, I hope they do this, but they won't because it's Disney. They won't go that dark, and then they just keep going. They just keep, they, yeah, 
they're they're not really being reined in <laughs> as much yeah. as we're expecting them to be at least vision's corpse is walking around doing his, th- <laughs> doing his thing <laughs> like imagine this scene exactly the same but it's that grayed husked out version of vision's face that's like <laughs> talking to norm it's completely great. <laughs> completely whited out eyes yes yeah a giant hole in his head it's great <laughs> so good <laughs> I'm so on board with Vision's corpse, guys. <laughs> also, in that security footage that they showed earlier in the episode, it's like in multiple pieces, it looks like. Oh, yeah. We don't get like a great shot of what's going on, but it looks like it's fully disassembled. And yeah, she's cause... straight up tossing people that are looking right. at him or working on him or yeah. doing Yeah, I mean, they've, they've been like likely studying it for five years, basically, at this point. Uh, so, yeah, it would make sense that it would be like completely like disassembled and all that stuff. Uh, back at the house, Wanda is talking to the boys. They're playing with Sparky, doing whatever. And they ask where Vision is. Yeah. Wanda says he's at work. The boys say it's Saturday. She says, no, it's Monday. They say, no, it's not. It was Saturday, <laughs> it was Saturday this morning. What are you talking about? Again, she just has no control over the boys. Yeah. She, she cannot shape them into what she wants them to be. They There's a bit of a a talk that Wanda has with them that is, is is kind of real and saying that they had a disagreement, her and Vision, and that he needed to get some space. And she compares it to when the boys fight with each other, which leads to them asking, Mom, do you have a brother? Which again just sends her into like a, a haze. Yes. Where she's talking about, you know, having a brother and he's very far away and that hurts her. And then she hears a noise outside. And following Monica's theory from earlier, we see a, a 80s drone flying into the hex, unchanged, unbothered by Wanda's hex and, and yep. whatever power she's putting on things. And Monica tries to speak to her. But Hayward directs to take the shot. Right. And they were like, what are you, this, is, this thing isn't armed. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Monica freaks out. What are you talking about? We hear... We see the drone feed cut out. We hear the alarm sound for a breach. Everybody yeah. runs outside. And this one fully broke my brain for a couple seconds. Like, I was stunned. Yeah. Wanda busts through the hex. She's in her full, like, <laughs> Avengers gear. And yeah. she throws the drone right at Hayward's feet. Yeah, so so it makes it clear. Like, she's completely aware of everything that's going on in Westview, right? Yes, absolutely. She is... She is Full on. And the conversation that, that takes place here, she says, this is your only warning. Stay out. Don't bother me. I won't bother you. And we talked earlier about Hayward being evil, but he has a point here when he says, it's not that easy. You've taken an enta- entire town hostage. Yeah. We can't just <laughs> let you do this. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> you know, you know he's, he's, he's kind of right, you know. <laughs> I don't like Hayward's methods, but he's, he's got a point. <laughs> so we see Monica plead with her. She says, with Wanda's powers, you knew who I was. You knew I was a sword agent. You knew that from the beginning. You threw me out. You could have killed me, but you protected me. I'm still here. Yeah. And I, I think that's interesting because there's a lot of theory going around, and a lot of it made sense, that Wanda is evil. That Wanda is the villain here. But there still is that pull in her. We see her go, you know, very quickly 
from being a bad guy to being helping the Avengers in Ultron. And there still seems to be like that little bit of duality going on with her here. There's there's evil intention and she's broken, I guess. Yeah. Emotionally. I mean, I- yeah, and I would say I never think Wanda is like fully evil, but her actions are sometimes immoral uh, in that way. Uh, and I, I, like with Age of Ultron, especially like, you know, she is out for revenge against Tony Stark because one of his missiles killed her parents and like destroyed their town. Uh, and that's the whole kind of reason why they're involved with Ultron in the first place. But then once they realize like, hey, Ultron's going to destroy the world. We shouldn't let that happen. And they, <laughs> and they team up with the <laughs> Avengers. Uh, and so, you know, Wanda over the course of the next few movies with Civil War and then Infinity War, uh, you know, with Civil War, she is starting to learn to control her powers because it's something that she's been unable to really fully have a grasp on for a little while. Um, and then in Civil War, like, obviously, she has that slip up at the beginning where her actions accidentally kill uh, some people up in the building in Lagos. Uh, and then, you know, she's like kind of you know, that ter- that traumatizes her. She's like devastated by that and like spends a lot of that movie uh, just completely upset. And uh, who's uh, she was on Captain America's side in Civil War uh, because, yes. yeah, Tony's like the Sokovia Accords exist because of her, because like, you know, of that accident that happened in Lagos. Essentially, that's like the the event that really like sets those accords in motion. Although the Sokovia Sokovi Accords, I guess, exist because of Sokovia. That would that also <laughs> makes sense from well, yeah, Age that, of was Ultron. A, that was a, that was a part of it. Yeah, but the thing, the thing that happened in Lagos was, like, the thing that, like, pushed it over the edge. Like, it's the reason they, like, actually, like, forced them to sign them. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, and then in Infinity War, she has, like, kind of left that life behind and is just trying to live a life with Vision. Uh, and then, you know, Thanos killed him. Shit happens. And <laughs> she, you know, she tr- she tried to, you know, leave everything behind uh, and just live a quiet life. And uh, it didn't work. And uh, now she is... she is completely traumatized by grief, has no idea what to do, and is just completely blinded by rage that everything was taken from her, which is what she says to Thanos in Endgame, right? When she's like, you took everything from me. But and he's like, I don't even know who you are, <laughs> which, which is a pretty brutal burn. But also, he actually has no idea who she is because it's like past Thanos from before that happened. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you, you feel that I sense of rage. Yeah, you feel that sense of rage in that scene, uh, and it feels that that rage that she's channeling in that moment feels like the blueprint for her actions in this show. Well, remember, even in Infinity War, when they first show up and they're on that street, I think they're in like France or something, and he's got like the human facade and they're like out getting like coffee like late at night and just enjoying life and everything is perfect. And it's like the happiest she's been like in her life. Yeah, and then Vision and gets suddenly stabbed. there's just there's just a space dagger like all the way through his back, out coming yep. out his chest. He's screaming in unbelievable pain. He never and stood a chance. <laughs> it's it's you know it's a very sudden end to that happiness. Yeah, it is. So we see her. She she turns to Hayward. She says to Monica, "She already has what she wants. You have nothing to offer me." She turns to Hayward and says, and nobody will take it from me again. She yeah. focuses her stare on him. She she summons her powers in her hand. And with one swift movement, all the guns that are pointing at her are suddenly pointed at Hayward, to which he freaks out. Stand down, stand down, stand down. <laughs> yeah, naturally, Wanda, as you would. <laughs> and Wanda reenters the hex. Yeah. It's, it's, it's 
like I like the hairs were standing up on my arms. Like I was like, <laughs> this was a, this was an intense moment. Like just to really see her acknowledge, like I know what's happening here, and I don't care. I'm happy. Yeah, it was it was intense. It was dark. It does. Yeah, it does get dark. Uh, and then that really plays into the next few scenes within Westview uh, as Vision uh, starts to confront Wanda about what she's doing because he's had that experience with Norm. But before we get to that, we get our commercial for the episode. Oh, yes. Lagos <laughs> yeah. brand paper towels for when you make a mess. You didn't mean to, Mike. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, as far as subtlety goes, this is not that. Um <laughs> You know, I, I think with with the commercials, they did what? Like the Stark thing. It was like some kind of Stark thing. And then like the Strucker watch, which Baron Strucker von Strucker watch. is the one who gave them their powers with the like, exper- by experimenting on them with the Infinity Stone. Uh, and then I think it was just like a Hydra soap or something, right? Hi- yeah, Hydra soap. And it was the, the blue soap that Coulson was referring to that uh, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that has like brainwashing powers. Right, yeah, something along those lines. So Hydra may be involved here, yeah, yeah, possibly, who knows? Well, the the theory I'm going with, and I've seen other people say this, is that it's her trauma. Yeah. Her trauma playing out that you're seeing, and and, and uh, the tagline for Lagos Brand Paper Towels kind of plays into that, that this really oh, yeah. hangs with her for when you make a mess you didn't mean to, like... That still weighs on her mind. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't oh, mean yeah. to do it. Like, it was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, it was a Stark missile that killed her family. It was, uh, you know, Baron von Strucker who gave her her powers. It was Hydra that uh, she was working to eradicate in Civil War. No, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, Baron von Strucker was also part of Hydra. So she was aligned with Hydra for at least a little bit uh, in that way, too. And then, yeah, with yeah. Lagos, uh, you know, the opening thing in Civil War, she, she killed some people. So now we're back in Westview. Sparky's dead. R.I.P. Sparky. Sparky's dead. <laughs> it's over. Over for Sparky. Yeah. And the boys try to age up. But Wanda stops them. And she says, you can't run from your feelings and you can't fix dead. Those are the two rules in life, which I think right. is playing it a little loose with the rules, if I'm being honest. I think there are more <laughs> rules in life than that. But you know what? You got to start setting boundaries somewhere. Right. Pay your rent. Rule number three. <laughs> And it's fun. And this time, Adonis is faced by something that happens with the boys when yeah. one of them, I forget which one, says, fix dead, mom, which is a great line. Yeah. Adonis, Adonis turns and says, you can do that. Right. Which, yeah. Uh, which which is interesting because I've like if Agnes is in on this, like vision is alive now. Like that, that's the <laughs> like you would think she would be aware <laughs> that vision is a walking corpse. Corpse vision is. <laughs> He's walking around <laughs> doing his corpsey vision thing. Uh, so you you would think if Agnes is involved in this in some way, which obviously they're hinting at something towards Agnes, uh, she would know that Vision is alive, that she brought him back. You would think. I, I'm I'm so I'm so like dubious on what Agnes's role is here. Like she's <laughs> she's walking a fine line. I, I, I'm yeah. I kind of hope she's not involved. Like, I kind of hope she actually just is a nosy neighbor. Uh, and like the rest of the Marvel shows also have Catherine Hahn popping in as the nosy, <laughs> the nosy neighbor. Can I, I just say, great. I, I would love it because I love Catherine Hahn. She does such a she's great job and like everything she's in, including this show. This She's so great. Yeah. So after that, we enter the final sequence of the show. Wanda's cleaning up toys. Vision walks in the room and he tells her about his conversation with Norm. 
She tries to brush it off. He asks, do you want to turn in and go to sleep so you can change everything overnight again? This is, he kind of challenged her in episode three, and she blipped it away. She just moved past it. But he says, you can't control me like you control everybody else. And she says, can't I? As WandaVision credits start to roll over their conversation. Yeah, that was really cool. Which was great. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. But he keeps talking, and eventually the credits go away, and their conversation continues. He begins to get really mad and yell at her, and he flies in the air as if he's getting confrontation. ready to attack, yeah. She flies up in the air to meet him. He asks what's outside Westview. Why aren't there any children? He says he doesn't remember life outside Westview. He says he's scared. Again, right. Yeah. So he, he has no memories of his childhood or anything and like no memories of anything that happened before this show. Like nothing about him dying in Infinity War or being born in Age of Ultron or anything like that. Again, super intense. Yeah. A, a lot of intensity. And, you know, we haven't seen this from Wanda and Vision. Even when Wanda tricked him and flipped sides in the Civil War, he was like, <laughs> right. Ah, it's, he was like, that's ah, fine. Like <laughs> he was totally he was totally cool with it. He understood. But here he gets very confrontational with her. I I'm curious to see if he does anything like what he did to Norm with other people around the town. Right. Because or if he tries very, to leave the town or something. Yeah. It's very clear that that got to him. That yeah, conversation definitely. with Norm. Yeah. Again, so she I, tries I think, to Go ahead. Uh, I'm saying I think we're in like a uh, like for vision, it's almost like a groundhog day thing where it's or, or maybe not maybe groundhog day is not the right analogy a 51st dates where <laughs> i think vision is basically drew barrymore in 51st dates where every time the thing gets reset uh he you know is his normal like vision self he's like the sitcom husband and all that stuff um but every time it happens like he's starting to get more and more aware of his surroundings and more and more like questioning of them uh and so you know every episode you're seeing more and more vision breaking out uh so yeah it's 51st dates this is actually the marvel version 51st dates i had no idea until just now (laughs) i would love it if all this time paul bettany was playing drew barrymore that'd just be great (laughs) So again, she tries to brush it away. They yeah. they calm down. They have a, a, a real conversation. And she says she doesn't remember how any of this started in the first place. And he repeatedly tells her, this is wrong. The doorbell rings. She says, I didn't do that. And he says he doesn't believe her. Right. She goes to the door. She opens it. She looks shocked. Vision asks who it is. Darcy goes, did she recast Pietro? <laughs> and we see Evan Peters from Fox's X-Men movies as yeah. Quicksilver. Which, uh, like, that's a, uh, <laughs> that's pretty insane. Uh, and, like, so, and I love the way that plays out, too. Uh, and again, I knew it was going to be Evan Peters going in because I saw the trending topic on Twitter that morning <laughs> as I was at work. Very upsetting. Uh, I wish I had that moment of surprise uh, because I, I had like three or four friends text me like, holy shit, like the implications. And I was like, man, you must you guys must live a nice life not being on social media all the time. <laughs> it must be great. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, she opens the door and I love the way it kind of, you know, you see the back of his head first and you yeah. know, it's you know, once you see the back of his head and it has like those like fr- those frosted tips or whatever. And you get that white hair and like you see that it's like you can tell like, oh, man. 
this is going to be Pietro. Like, and you're expecting to see Aaron Taylor Johnson. Like, you're expecting him to be like, hey, you didn't see that's coming? And, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> that, that's that's a great sitcom catchphrase, by the way. You didn't see that coming? It would have fit in perfectly. Uh, but, uh, and then, right. yeah, Darcy, Darcy notes he's been recast, uh, which is a funny, like, meta joke. And then the, you, the door opens, you see his face, and it's Evan Peters, uh, who... and. When that happens, and obviously I knew it going in, so I was thinking about it all day leading up into the episode. Uh, but when it happened and I kind of like fully put the pieces together, obviously, you know, since Disney acquired Fox and they acquired the Fox X-Men line of movies, um, I, I think when they did that, I was kind of expecting a hard reboot of the X-Men uh, in the, in not any time in the near future, but like, you know, a few years down the line, like an actual like, you know, we're going to do a new X-Men, new actors playing all these characters and stuff like that. Like that felt like the direction that they were going to go with that. Uh, and instead, they have gone this completely other direction uh, with this multiverse stuff. And I can't believe I didn't think about Quicksilver when when I've been considering Marvel doing multiverse stuff, because, you know, they've been talking about it with Doctor Strange and his multiverse movie and like Spider-Man's going to have multiverse stuff like we were saying before. But like the the Quicksilver character was such a weird case uh, where so. Uh, yeah. And again, this is probably this is before you got super into Marvel movies, Mike. So this is a little bit before your time. Uh, but in like 2013, 2014, as uh, Marvel was gearing out to make Age of Ultron and Fox was gearing out to make X-Men Days of Future Past, um, Joss Whedon announced that he was involving Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver into Age of Ultron. And then like a week later, Fox announced that Quicksilver was also going to be in Days of Future Past. And everybody was like, what? Like, how, how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, because typically there's a pretty hard line that's drawn between all these characters, like who owns the rights to what. Uh, and so typically Fox owns X-Men characters. Marvel owns almost everything else, but like specifically Avengers characters and stuff like that. And the thing about Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver is that they technically belonged to both companies <laughs> uh, because they are mutants and they like first ar- arrived in X-Men comics uh, and then they became Avengers later on. Uh, and I've read the like all those like 60s and 70s comics featuring those characters and stuff like leading up to 1972, where I'm at right now. Uh, and so so it was a really weird case where uh, it seemed almost out of spite that uh, Fox added Quicksilver to their movie because they were adding Quicksilver to the new Marvel movie. And they were like, oh, I guess we technically have the rights to this. We should do that. Uh, so they did their own version of Quicksilver and put it out in theaters before Age of Ultron came out. Uh, <laughs> and the thing is. Evan Peters, who played Quicksilver in the X-Men movies, uh, way better than Aaron Taylor Johnson as <laughs> in Age of Ultron. Uh, the Quicksilver scene in Days of Future Past is like a top 10 superhero scene from the last 10 years of superhero movies. It's really, really terrific. Uh, so good, in fact, they did the exact same scene again in X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, like they <laughs> basically just did the exact same thing. Uh, and the Fox X-Men movies are kind of a mixed bag. Some of them are really good. Some of them are pretty bad. Uh, but... Evan Peters' Quicksilver was always a pretty good highlight of those movies. Uh, And the fact that they were doing this multiverse stuff and like possibly like, you know, we've been theorizing about who is going to be involved in what and all that stuff. Like I it never crossed my mind for a second that we had two Quicksilvers to work with here. (laughs) And and in retrospect, it seems so obvious, you know, (laughs) like it seems like the obvious choice to really start to bridge the gap with the multiverse stuff is to have the two characters that we already have two versions of uh, kind of play around with. And that's pretty wild. So my question is, because I have not seen those X-Men movies. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I did ask you about that, like uh, when, when after you had watched the episode, I think I asked you, like, so I'm, you have not seen the X Men movies. Like, was your reaction just like a blank stare? Like what? <laughs> like, like confusion? Like what was that? Well, I didn't quite. So I didn't connect that he was that he had already played Pietro. So I, okay. it didn't connect for me on that that level. But it it did connect with me that it wasn't the Pietro that I knew. Yeah. And that that would have some sort of. I, I didn't think I didn't think they just didn't get him, the, the actor that they originally had. So I figured <laughs> there was some sort of implication to that. There was like a a moment of where I was like, oh, man, that's a different guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what was the question you were going to ask me before I interrupted you, Mike? <laughs> so I haven't seen those movies, but from what I read. His name was Peter. Yeah. In the movie, in the X-Men movies, they call him Peter Maximoff, uh, probably to differentiate from the fact that there is a different Quicksilver in a different movie. (laughs) Did he have the accent? No, no, no accent in the movie. In the movie, when he's introduced, uh, Days of Future Past, which takes place in the 70s, uh, he is introduced and he's like this kind of 20 something dude who lives in his mom's basement and uh, helps out. Uh, Hugh Jackman and helps out Wolverine Professor X like for kicks basically and like just, just like helps break Magneto out of jail uh, and the thing the thing about that in the comics is uh, Magneto in the comics is the father of both Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch uh, yes. which if they're leading towards that in these shows and movies that would be wild especially if they got back either Michael Fassbender or Ian McKellen because both of them have played Magneto in <laughs> In the X-Men movies, I guess Ian McKellen would make more sense. Um, but e- either way, that would be wild. So uh, if, if they're building towards that element of it, that could be pretty crazy. Uh, but it also could just be multiverse stuff. Uh, he also could just be recasting. I, I have like at this point, which I, I would imagine that's not going to be the case because there is that history of him playing the character. Um, but like that would be really, really strange if they just actually recast him as the MCU uh, Pietro. And this was it like that. That was all there is to it. <laughs> I do think this is going to be the beginning of like a multiverse. Yeah, sort of I, I this think is that, going to be the introduction like the of that. Yeah, I don't know like, if we'll what, you, get... you can't bring this actor in at playing this character and not involve that. You know, it's and this is like the first time they've ever crossed into the Fox properties too, uh, which is pretty wild. Well, because... Like, they, like they brought they bought Fox a couple years ago, and obviously they've been making movies and stuff, but they haven't been able to utilize anything yet, and uh, now they have. <laughs> don't forget, they also did like the sitcom applause track when they showed his face. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, as if he was somebody you knew, you know? Yes, doing the applause track, and, like, he's doing a weird Bronx accent, which is not what he does in the X-Men movies. So. Well, that was my question, because he only says one line, so it's tough to get, like, a read, but yeah. he sounds like like a guy from Jersey. Hey, can I add my sister? Like, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so he- I, I would imagine, like, I think he's supposed to be, like, a the Fonz-type character in this <laughs> in this show like they get like the most popular character who pops in and like you know everybody applause and all that stuff like he seems like a the Fonz or a squiggy or whatever (laughs) it's it's interesting and i i I am excited like to see i hope that that's the beginning of something where they start connecting it and that's what i love about the way things are set up moving forward is it can be kind of a slow burn yeah because like the next Marvel property we get is going to have nothing to do with any of this, theoretically. Yeah, 
Exactly. Which even uh, the one is, after that theoretically won't have anything to do with this. So yeah, exactly. Like we won't see. We likely won't see a follow up to WandaVision until Doctor Strange two, uh, which is currently scheduled for sometime in twenty twenty two. Um, but the movie release date schedule has been uh, uh, changing a lot since COVID happened. So, <laughs> so well, we'll see when that actually hits. My bet is we just get a Marvel movie a month in 2022. That's the, <laughs> the way things are lining up now. <laughs> it might be the only way to save theaters, sadly, is, uh, <laughs> is to just pack them with Marvel movies uh, and see what happens. Uh, yeah. And, and, and Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie. Yeah, that's that's a ways away, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, I think the Patty Jenkins or, one is the next one they're doing. Or Patty Jenkins, yeah, whichever one. Just throw a Star yeah. Wars movie in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Evan Peters is uh, is back, and then again, that's something I never really like. The thing is with the Fox X Men movies, like we kind of treated them like once Disney bought Fox, like we treated them like a dying star, like uh, <laughs> like with because they had a few movies in the can already when. Disney bought them and uh, they kept delaying them, but they finally released both of them over the past year. Uh, Dark Phoenix came out in 2019 and then uh, New Mutants was the was the last one, which came out uh, back in August. Uh, you know, right. In the, I think it was the movie that reopened select theaters for COVID uh, and it was not the movie to do it. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, I caught up with New Mutants a few months after and uh, yeah, it is, it's OK. It's fine, but it's not it's nothing great. Uh, but it's also a weird one to like end the X-Men series on because it's like uh, this like spinoff that was meant to launch a new franchise that won't happen now because Disney's not going to make more of them. Uh, so, so it's a really it feels like a weird like casualty of the uh, of the whole merger thing. But Dark Phoenix was supposed to be like it, it wasn't originally supposed to be the finale of the X-Men movies, but then they kind of had to rework it so that it sort of was uh because disney bought fox and they thought like well that's it for everybody in, involved in here uh so and you know dark phoenix really sucks it's not a <laughs> it's not a good movie um like days of future past would would have been an actual better finale or logan uh logan's really good but logan's not really an x-men movie it's just a wolverine movie with professor x in it uh um, and it's barely even that it is it Logan's very much its own thing uh, and almost feels like it could be like a separate universe Logan from the rest of the X-Men movies or whatever. Uh, but Days of Future Past does a lot to reconcile the franchise and like involve the old cast and the new cast because X-Men had the original three movies and then they had First Class, which was like a prequel t- took place in the 60s and it had new actors playing these characters and all that stuff. And it was First Class is the best one. It's really good. I like that movie a lot. Uh, and then Days of Future Past combines both casts into this like time travel story. And it's really cool. They should have saved that for their last movie. They really shot themselves in the foot by doing that right after First Class because they could have gotten like a whole trilogy of movies out of the First Class cast and then done the big combining thing with the two casts. Uh, and instead, they did not. And they did Days of Future Past. <laughs> Then they did Apocalypse, which was eh, not great. And then Dark Phoenix, which really, really sucks. But Evan Peters is always really good in them. Uh, so there's that. I remember he's, he's like barely in Dark Phoenix, actually. I feel like he like pops up in the beginning and then disappears. Um, but it is funny watching those movies. And again, you've never seen any of them. And now that Evan Peters is involved, are you are you planning to watch these movies or at least some of them? Uh, probably. OK. Yeah. I mean, so, some of them are on Disney Plus now. I know like Days of Future Past and Apocalypse are uh, and maybe a couple of the original ones, too. Um, yeah, but, Logan uh, but definitely, is, Logan's rated R, right? Logan is rated R, yes. Uh, and the, and then there's the Wolverine, which was PG thirteen, but there is like an unrated cut. 
uh, if you wanted to watch that. Uh, they're, they're, those are really fun. I like those ones a lot. Those are directed by James Mangold. He's a very good filmmaker. Uh, and Lo- Logan is like the finale for Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Um, so that that's, you know, there's a lot of weight to it for that reason, too, because he's somebody who played Wolverine for almost 20 years, uh, you know, across like 10 different movies. Uh, and so there's a lot of weight to that one. And that, that one's really, really good. And it, fu- it fully feels like a Wolverine movie. Although the Wolverine is a super underrated one. Like that was kind of like the test, like the trial run for Logan. It, like I think people treat it like that, but it's also like this really wild samurai movie. Uh, and it's really cool. Uh, so I, yeah, I saw the first hour of the greatest showman the other day. Is it like similar performances or, Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, it's a musical. <laughs> uh, <laughs> same character basically right <laughs> yeah exactly uh you know the, the very end of logan zach efron slides in in a top hat and says this is the greatest show and then it, and then the credits start to roll it's great uh <laughs> honestly how it didn't get the best picture nom is is beyond me it's it's <laughs> truly astounding uh, uh before we get out of here real quick uh do you have any other thoughts on this episode of wandavision uh, I think it was probably the best episode of the show so far. And it's a show that I've been really enjoying, uh, you know, at first because I'm just, you know, a sucker for, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big TV history kind of guy. And so watching those first couple episodes, like where it really tries to recreate a lot of those old sitcoms, really fun. Uh, but as it started to delve into the deeper Marvel stuff, I was wondering how much I was going to enjoy it. Um, because like I said, I, I was overwhelmed by some of the Marvel stuff by the end of 2019. Uh, but getting that break and like now having like this mini dose of just like, oh man, this is a cool little mystery that's happening here, uh, set within the Marvel universe, which is a universe I spent a lot of time in and I know way too much about the characters involved. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, I think this was the best episode so far. It's funny cause I know a lot of people kind of got sick of the first three episodes, like want, like enjoyed them, but wanted it to kind of get going. Yeah, and which yeah, I, I think you needed those on, first three to uh, have, I, you know, the impact of later episodes. I grew up on Nick at Night, so I was like full in, like even if it just didn't get to anything else important, like I was good. Yeah. Like it was, it was so fun. I was just into it. I would have been cool if the entire show never, <laughs> never delved into the Marvel stuff and was just like every episode was a different sitcom and they never explained <laughs> it. They just had Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany and it could have ran for like eight seasons uh, of just like them imitating different sitcoms like other Marvel characters could pop in like it could just be a weird thing. Um, And she was and she was constantly like ruining people's lives like and it just it just didn't get explained at all. And like that would have been been fine. Would have been terrific. They didn't go in that direction, which is unfortunate. But uh, but I do think this episode (laughs) combining the sitcom stuff from the first three episodes with the larger Marvel stuff that we now know exists in episode four. Uh, I, I think that balance really, really worked. And, uh, you know, we're, we're basically now at the halfway point of the show. Uh, and there's, you know, it, it feels like it has raised more questions than answers at this point, which I think is a good thing. Like, it has answered some questions, like what's actually happening. But there's larger questions like, but what's actually happening? You know, like <laughs> that kind of thing. Any any predictions for what we see the rest of the season? Uh, the rest of the season, I think... Uh, I think that we'll see Vision die again. I think that'll be sad. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's going to be pretty clear that he can't actually leave the town or else he will die. Um, but, you know, Vision's inherent goodness will convince Wanda to change things around at the 11th hour and uh, he'll finally leave the town. And, you know, the town will ultimately go back to normal. Uh, I assume that I also predict that Agnes will be some kind of villainous character in some way, like... 
kind of controlling Wanda, but maybe she loses control of Wanda or whatever. Uh, again, not really sure where that's going to go. Uh, and also, I think the Sparky will come back. I'm just going to throw that out there. I think Sparky will <laughs> will be back <laughs> in uh, episode seven. I'm going to say he comes back in episode seven. I'll give him an episode to recuperate. <laughs> and then episode seven, Sparky returns. So generally, not in favor of dead characters coming back, but Sparky, yes. Sparky's fine. Uh, I think... <laughs> I think I think it would be great if that was a recurring joke throughout every episode where Sparky uh, dies and then is resurrected in the next episode. <laughs> All right. Now, moving on WandaVision, because this is a full scale pod, full scale MCU podcast. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts real quick on we talked about Logan being rated R, Deadpool 3 being rated R and taking place under the Marvel banner more officially when Kevin Feige had said in the past that they would not be making R-rated movies. Yeah, I think uh, that's something they obviously inherited from Fox, which uh, Deadpool sort of part of the X-Men universe, um, but like sort like sort of ripping on it. And like it's, you know, the, the Fox X-Men continuity is so loose. Like it's, you know, the stuff that happens in one movie that will directly contradict what happens in the next movie or that kind of thing. Uh, but with Deadpool, obviously that movie's rated R and Deadpool 2 is also rated R. Uh, they kind of tried like a uh, a PG rated version of Deadpool 2 that they put into theaters called Once Upon a Deadpool. Uh, maybe it was PG-13. But and they kind of shot a couple of new scenes for it where it was a, a parody of The Princess Bride where Ryan Reynolds was like reading to Fred Savage in bed uh, the story of Deadpool 2, uh, which is pretty funny. Uh I, I think, yeah, I, I think keep it rated R. That's totally makes sense. I, I don't think it necessarily needs to be rated R, but at this point, you know, it would it would feel a little bit watered down if you did the first two movies rated R and then Deadpool 3 was rated PG-13. Um, but if they did rate it PG-13, I think they could have a lot of fun with that. You know, Deadpool being this very self-aware, fourth wall breaking character, uh, you know, some like, you know, like he could directly reference the fact that, you know, Fox is owned by Disney now and, you know, all the X-Men characters are part of the MCU. So now they have to be a lot cleaner and they don't have to, they can't curse. And so like he has to like... You know, there's a whole thing in PG-13 movies where uh, you're only allowed to say one F word uh, and you have to make it see so a lot of times you have to make that count. And so, like, you could do a whole, a whole recurring joke where, like, the entire movie Deadpool's trying to figure out where to put in the F word that he's <laughs> that he's going to throw in there or something <laughs> like I feel like there's a lot of things you could do with a PG-13 Deadpool now that you've done a couple of R-rated Deadpools. But, you know, I don't mind it being rated R. I think it's fine. It's it's something that, you know, kids are going to see it anyway because kids like Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, yeah it, you know, if if like it probably won't be streaming on Disney Plus, I would guess. But I, I think it's a uh, totally fine. And I'm curious, like what a Deadpool three will look like set in the MCU uh, and what kind of stuff they could kind of riff on there. Uh, so that should be fun. Least likely MCU superhero, Ryan Reynolds or Paul Rudd. <laughs> I would say Paul Rudd. Uh, Paul, Paul Rudd, less likely, because Ryan Reynolds was trying to do the hero thing for a little while, because he was in Blade Trinity and he was in Green Lantern, uh, and actually originally appeared as Deadpool in X-Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, really bad movie, but then, like, you know, like they spun that off into Deadpool, uh, but only after, like, hard, hard work to try to make that movie actually happen. Uh, and then with Paul Rudd, it was a, a weird situation where he was cast as Ant-Man, because he was cast in the Edgar Wright version of the movie. Because uh, Edgar Wright, the director behind uh, Scott Pilgrim and Shaun of the Dead and Baby Driver, uh, he was making an Ant-Man movie for like eight years. Like when when the MCU was first launched, they announced three movies uh, like Marvel Studios was first launched. And they announced they were working on three movies and they were Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk and Ant-Man. 
<laughs> and Iron Man <laughs> and the Incredible Hulk, Iron Man and the Hulk came out in 2008. Ant-Man came out in 2015. And the reason is because Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright was so busy as a director, like he was working on Hot Fuzz and then Scott Pilgrim and then The World's End. And he was finally getting ready to work on Ant-Man uh, and, you know, has started the casting process. And Edgar Wright was a huge comedy director. And so he was able to get Paul Rudd on for big into comedies like that you know, kind of felt like the movie he was trying to make. And then like six weeks before they were going to start shooting, uh, Edgar Wright left Ant-Man due to creative differences with Marvel. Uh, and so Paul Rudd getting cast in Ant-Man is almost like an accident now because he was supposed to be in the Edgar Wright comedy version of the movie. Uh, and instead he's in, and obviously that's that Ant-Man and the Ant-Man movies are a, a little more comedic. I mean, the Marvel movies are generally pretty comedic, uh, but the Ant-Man movies are a little bit goofier uh, in some respects uh, than those, than some of the other ones. Uh, and so Paul Rudd being cast as Ant-Man is sort of a weird joke that happened. Uh, and now we have Paul Rudd as Ant-Man in Avengers Endgame and stuff like that. It's wild. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty weird. Uh, it's great. I'm, I'm, I love seeing Paul Rudd as Ant-Man, but it's, it's definitely like a weird thing where like, I, I kind of wish I could have seen the Edgar Wright version of Ant-Man. Um, but I think Peyton Reed's doing a pretty good job with those solo movies too. So there's that. I'm very happy with what we got. I, I love Paul Rudd sleeping in the back of the van at the airport in Civil War. I think that's... yeah. Tremendous. Uh, yeah, thanks for thanking then, me. <laughs> and then finally, uh, the last thing I want to touch on, a movie I know you're very excited about, Blade. Oh, yeah, Mahershala a, Ali. Has a writer. Yes. I don't know if you saw uh, this. I forget her name, but she worked on Watchmen, um, the new TV series version of Watchmen, uh, which was amazing. I loved Watchmen, uh, and that's a show that was created, uh, you know, obviously based on the comic Watchmen. Uh which was adapted into a movie by Zack Snyder in 2009, which is a movie that I like, but not that many people tend to anymore these days. Uh, I think that's partially due to the fact that he directed Batman vs Superman, which is a fucking train wreck. We talked about that before this podcast started. Uh, <laughs> you know, it. it's yeah. I think you recently watched uh, the first half hour and turned it off. Right? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. But, but the new Watchmen TV show, Really, really terrific, uh, you know, and co-created by Damon Lindelof, who did The Leftovers and Lost and uh, based on the Alan Moore comic. But the new Watchmen show is sort of like a sequel to Watchmen that, like, takes place decades after the comic does. Uh, and yeah, anybody, anybody who's involved in Watchmen, like, I'm down to see what they come up with. That's uh, <laughs> that's cool. And, uh, you know, Blade, especially with Mahershala Ali in the lead role, uh, I think one of the best actors working today, two time Oscar winner. Uh, you know, definitely somebody uh, you want in your corner. So and that and that the way that <laughs> happened is like, you know, a, a, as much as I would have loved to see Wesley Snipes come back as Blade, I think that would have been cool. Uh, and Wesley Snipes is sort of having like a little bit of career comeback with uh, Dolomite is my name and now the coming to America sequel uh, it, with Mahershala Ali. Like the story behind it is that he like basically called up Kevin Feige and said, hey, I want to be in a Blade movie. And Kevin Feige was like, yeah, all right. So <laughs> <laughs> so like they they weren't actively working on a blade movie but then Mahershala Ali was like I want to do that and he was like oh, okay so uh yeah I, I think that's a little ways away like there's so many movies that we're gonna get to before we get to blade uh but when we do Mahershala Ali in the role is gonna probably kick ass oh it's nice to know at least that they're working on it yeah exactly. some, so, somebody's somebody's got it kicking around in their brain <laughs> yeah I, I will say the one I'm most excited about uh, for the near future is uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, mostly because, I mean, partially because it's probably going to continue the story from WandaVision, which I've heard like directly leads into that movie, but also that it's going to be directed by Sam Raimi, who is one of my all-time favorite filmmakers, and he hasn't made a movie in eight years. 
Uh, so <laughs> it's been it's been a while. He was the director of the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Uh, well, did the, we know he knows superhero movies as well. Yeah, he did the Spider-Mans. He uh, did the Evil Dead movies, which are the best and Drag Me to Hell and all that stuff. So Quick and the Dead and uh, A Simple Plan, like so many great movies. And I'm excited to see him back in the director's chair uh, and especially doing Doctor Strange 2. And, you know, that that one having the most potential to be insane just in terms of the multiverse stuff and, you know, ha- having Wanda be a main character. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. So that, that's the one I'm most looking forward to for the foreseeable future, I think. It's also a great name for a movie, Doctor Strange yes. and the Multiverse of Madness. It's a fun name to say in like a spooky voice. It's like <laughs> Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we went a lot longer than I had anticipated, but I think we got a lot, of, a lot of good <laughs> stuff in here. A lot of good information. Yeah, so I think that was I'm a 41-minute uh, episode, and we talked for an hour and 50. <laughs> so. I'm glad we did it, though, and I'm going to steal a line from one of my favorite podcasters and say, Mike, where can we find you online this week? <laughs> hey, I'm the guy you stole that line from. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Uh, yeah, you can find me online at uh, M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, uh, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, uh, Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. I host a morning radio show on Kiss FM, doc, uh, Kiss FM in Missoula, uh, which you can listen to through the uh, Kiss FM mobile app or through KissFM.com, whatever. Uh, if you know, if you don't, li- if you don't happen to live in Missoula and you can just kind of tune in anywhere, uh, <laughs> then you can do it there. Uh, and of course, I host a couple of other podcasts. I host Mike Mike Go to the Movies and Jeff Goldblum a complete works podcast in mike and mike we talk about kind of whatever random like some recent releases some older stuff all that stuff uh but with jeff goldblum and complete works podcast we are watching every movie in the filmography of jeff goldblum which will continue for a couple of more weeks and then we're gonna get back into nicholas cage who was the first season of the podcast and uh talk about a few of the movies that he's made in the years since we stopped doing nicholas cage and went to jeff goldblum uh and then we'll come back to jeff goldblum once we once we take our cage break but uh yeah so if you want to listen to any of that stuff uh you can look up either of those podcasts Mike, i go to the movies or jeff goldblum a complete works podcast uh through any of your podcast providers apple music spotify any of that stuff there you go and yeah. two episodes i know you were very excited about doing you have already done jurassic park and independence day so if that's people right. are to people out there are like, oh, is there enough Goldblum content for me to dig in now? Oh, there absolutely is. Oh, yeah. There's some big so. ones out there. And th- <laughs> those were our biggest episodes. Our, our Jurassic Park episode was like two and a half hours long. Our Independence Day <laughs> one is almost two hours long. And actually, this week's episode, uh, which I have not recorded yet, and actually I'm, gonna, I'm about to go watch the movie as soon as we log off here, is uh, The Lost World Jurassic Park, the sequel to Jurassic Park, uh, which Jeff Goldblum took center stage in. So, uh, yeah, very excited to uh, dig into that yeah. stuff. And Jeff Goldblum is certainly... A character, to say the least. And yes. one, that, one that we discussed on this show as well with Thor Ragnarok at some point. Yes. Down the line. Yeah. Yeah. He was, well, of course, in Thor Ragnarok. So maybe we'll have you on the podcast to uh, talk Thor Ragnarok with us, Mike, whenever we get to it. Absolutely tremendous performance in that, by the way. He is yeah, he's tremendously, great. tremendously weird in that movie. <laughs> yes. So, so good. Almost as good as his performance in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, where he appears in the closing credits and does a little dance. And that's... <laughs> And that's it. <laughs> All right, Mike, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks I for having to me. talk to you again soon. Okay, sounds good.
Once again, I want to thank Mike Smith for being my guest this week. I had a blast talking about episode 5 with him, and I hope to have him on again soon. As for me, I think we're going to get a lot of the same in episode 6, bouncing in and out of Westview. Just looking at shows that could parody in the 90s, what jumps out is maybe they do delve more into Full House, uh, but also step-by-step, Home Improvement, Boy Meets World. Uh, Any of those would make me happy because that's what I grew up watching. If you would like to be a part of the conversation around WandaVision, leave me a voicemail, 845-206-9098, or you can send an email to scarletvisionpod at gmail.com. Please subscribe, rate, review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Tell somebody you know about the show. They're watching WandaVision. They got all these theories they want to discuss. Tell them about the show. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at msmithfif. You can find the show on Twitter at ScarletVision21, the number's 2-1. And you can find the show on Instagram at ScarletVisionPod. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Thank you again to Mike Smith for joining me. I had a blast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I will talk to you after episode 6.